and welcome to episode 293 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett, and this week we're going to be trying something a little bit different. This week we're going to take a trip back to the 2007-2008 Premier League season and relive it in all its glory. Fergie's United secured their 10th Premier League title. Fernando Torres, Roque Santa Cruz, Nani, Elano and Alfonso Alves debuted in England. Jose Mourinho left Chelsea for the first time. Spurs won a trophy. Borough put eight goals past Venn City side. Eduardo had his leg snapped, while Gallas was the one that left the field in tears. Derby performed worse than any other side before them and we had the two highest scoring games in Premier League history. TK, this was a true year for the streets not forgetting. We've got the most fun Portsmouth and Everton sides in memory, Roy Keane at Sunderland, Big Sam at Newcastle and Fulham's Great Escape. Let's get into it. We've picked a good one. We have. Uh, I wish I could get my intros out like that on a Thursday night where I've been struggling lately and... It's very professional. Straight one the, take, I will confirm as well. Yeah, we didn't have to go the from the top. Yeah. That's that's my fire in the booth right there. <laughs> um, we should have said the producers gave us a good Premier League this year <laughs> rather than we chose it. Hello, is Rooney in, please? It's the Sanchez boys. Right, Rooney, coming out to play, mate. He's not having it. What? It's not good enough. Come on, come out, Wayne. Do a bit of target practice, mate. Get on the game, mate. Come on. Right, that's it. Well, just to really set the scene here and ensure everyone knows exactly where we are in history, uh, I had a look back at the top grossing films across the season. So we've got the likes of Spider-Man 3, Transformers, 300, I Am Legend, The Simpsons movie, which really did put me in the space of time that we were, uh, Superbad, The Dark Knight, Iron Man, Christ, Knocked Up, Step Brothers... What a time. Yeah. I've got quite a few here, but the music that really puts us in this period of time, just the CD singles that were top selling across 0708, Chasing Cars by Snow Patrol dominates more than <laughs> any other song in that time. Uh, Smack That by Akon and Eminem, Patience and Rule the World by Take That, Proper Education by Eric Prids and Pink Floyd, Stars in Their Eyes by Just Jack, Grace Kelly by Mika, uh, you've got Golden Scans by the Claxons, How to Save a Life by the Frey, Ruby by the Kaiser Chiefs, Beautiful Liar by Beyonce and Shakira. Probably the most watched video on mute for any 16-year-old at that time. Cupid's Chokehold by the Gym Class Heroes, Don't Matter by Akon, Fluorescent Adolescent Arctic Monkey has Apologised by One Republic, Crank That by Soldier Boy, Valerie by Mark Ronson and Amy Winehouse. I'll move on before you say something you'll regret. <laughs> no One by Alicia Keys. Rockstar by Nickelback. Now You're Gone by Bass Hunter. Homecoming by Kanye. American Boy by Estelle. Black and Gold by Sam Sparrow. Jeez. Dance With Me by Dizzy Rascal. That's <laughs> Not By Name by The Ting Tings. <sighs> Sex on Fire by Kings of Leon. Hot and Cold by Katy Perry. And Live Your Life by T.I. This... If you didn't know this pod is going to be laced with nostalgia, you do now. Yeah, I mean, I can see David Healy's name in my peripheral. <laughs> um, so we kind of based this around, we watched the full two hours, 2007-2008 Premier League years, and then we've kind of taken the best bits of that and 
the worst. a little something else of which maybe they didn't get into. I don't think they did a deep dive on Everton's side of 2007, which maybe is a Liverpool fan. <laughs> it wouldn't be ideal, but Mayweather Hatton, you've got... That was, I thought, a good little yeah. timepiece in there where you something that really did sort of transcend. I mean, just hearing Dance With Me by Dizzy Rascal on the Premier League years was one where I forgot just how massive that was. Like, you could not go 10 feet without hearing no, it. No, no. And so I had a look and I was going to do something on like the most popular boots at the time because that's quite a good way of defining the eras. Now, this was the time of the Nike Mercurial Vapors, which Ronaldo wore, and the Total 90 Lasers. Now, the Lasers were the one where they had this kind of plastic on the top that told you you could volley it like Rooney (laughs) if you had it on there. I had them, didn't quite work. But this also meant that we got Nike hiring Dirty Sanchez to film the Total 90 advert. And this came out at the start of the 2007 season. Christ. Um, I had a look back and on the anniversary of this advert, they kind of told their story now that they're all not Dirty Sanchez anymore. They got a hundred grand between them to film this series of adverts. And they say the thing they remember more than anything is they were put up in a five-star hotel in Liverpool and told that they had a free bar, just help themselves. Oh. You know, this is Nike. Like, we, we don't do things in half measures. Um, they spent eight grand on booze <laughs> the night before. That's very on brand. They said they drank till about 4.30. They had to be out by 7.30. They said Pancho was still in the bar when they came down in the morning. <laughs> and they had to tell him when he was trying to go to back to bed, like, you got Rooney volleying balls at you in about an hour. <laughs> um <laughs> Pritchard said that they thought it was going to be bad, but it was just so much worse than they ever could have imagined. That's incredible. Bear in mind, they go on to film with Gattuso and someone else after this. But Rooney's the, one everyone, yeah, Runo's the, Rooney's the one that everyone remembers. It was called the Put It Where You Want It Tour, which sounds... Blimey. <laughs> uh, interesting. Pre-me uh, too. Yeah. Pritchard said he wanted to try and gauge how things were and he asked Rooney to take a penalty against him before they started. Why? Why would you do it? He said he got a fingertip to it and he thought he'd broken his fingers then before they even started playing. Yeah. He said, if you can imagine your worst hangover and then just imagine your mate kicking a football at you (laughs) and then just imagine your mate can literally put the ball where he wants it and you're bending As hard as he wants. (laughs) Yeah. Um, he did say Rooney, nicest bloke ever outside of the hour or so in which he was just an animal. He was probably hanging as well, bless him. <laughs> I don't need this. Whitehead um, again looking for Ross Wallace, who's managed to stay onside. Three in red and white shirts in the centre. Now Wallace can cross. Up goes a two, it falls for Chopra! Never mind your Newcastle roots. He's a Sunderland hero now. Look what it means to the man in charge of it all. The visitors can't come back when you score right on full time. Opening weekend of the season then. It's a good opening weekend this. It is. It really does give you a kind of a taster for everything that you get. The opening game of the season is at the Stadium of Light. You've got Roy Keane Sunderland versus Martin Yoles Tottenham. Michael Chopper bags a 94th minute winner. Superb. I, as a real time capsule of the time, we were doing fantasy football at school off of a newspaper. 
it wasn't an online thing. This was off of a newspaper. And I had the standard, like, three and a half million left where I'd sprung to everywhere else. And Michael Chopper was my <laughs> three and a half million pound player. I was ecstatic. I remember doing that um, with my dad. It was like the um, like multiple choice test you get at school, wasn't it? You had a little thing to put your little yeah, pencil yeah, slot yeah. in. A friend of ours got caught in an English lesson completing his <laughs> fantasy football team on there. He was... So you could do it online, she went you? Mad. or you literally like posted it to the sun or whatever, mm. and they would get it all up for you. I think the following year we we went online, we got with the times. <laughs> yeah. But um, just having a look at the team sheets of that game, Spurs have Keane and Berber up top. Record signing, I think Darren Bent comes off the bench. Mm. Um, Genus is playing Steve Malbronk, Timu Tainio. Zakora in the middle. They got Chimbonda and Kabul at the back. Well, I mean, you're seeing the problem. You, you are working backwards there with the team. You've got <laughs> yeah. a potentially world-class front line and it's, oh God, the quality is dipping here. I mean, mind you, they're beaten by Dwight York, Kieran Richardson, Paul McShane, Anthony yeah. Stokes, who I think was at Arsenal for a time. Yes, he was a young player uh, at Arsenal, wasn't he? Dixon Dwight York playing in midfield by this point, by the way, as well, because he can't do it front Dean anymore. Whitehead. They they were a, a fairly fun team in Keane's first year, actually, because it was... Interested to see how they were going to do. And he did well to start with. I think my favourite thing looking back is you've got Big Sam versus Sammy Lee. <laughs> Bolton lose 3-1 to Newcastle. It's like they looked at both them and knew both of these might not be in a job for too long. And so, I mean, I assume they teamed up at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah. so, when Big Sam leaves, they give the job there to somebody he's stepping Because this year, in my mind, is maybe... The final nail in the coffin for give it to the assistant <laughs> on this because between Sammy Lee and um, Chris Hutchins at Wigan, at Wigan, they both do an absolutely appalling job and are out of the job very, very quickly. The best thing with both of them as well, you've got to know, they both got these sort of, um, I don't know, sort of dreamy ideas of we're going to play some football. <laughs> and so you've got to know, look, it's Bolton. Maybe just pop it in the mixer and don't fuck around. And both of them find themselves out of the job very Especially quickly. Especially as like the assistant that he's been to Allardyce. Like it's not like he's had any schooling playing that style of football. So he's very much like he's been behind Allardyce the whole time. Like oh, I bloody ate this. Football. I love the idea that board thought we'll get something more exotic. We'll go for Sammy Lee. <laughs> um, Oberfemi gives us his iconic cartwheel for the first time. Celebrations just don't seem to hit the same these days like, there's very few players that actually have like an, an iconic, iconic celebration no, no. like you used to play it on the playground you'd almost say someone's name like I remember everyone loved doing that Anelka celebration a lot easier than the uh, Martins <laughs> one or the Nanny one yeah. isn't it they, even then like we had a Bamiang for a time that did the flip and as he was getting older that was terrifying <laughs> as, as a fan because he always seemed to have these heavy landings but unless I'm missing one there's very few players now where you look at them like you don't even have a standard shearer no no you really don't uh Stuart Downing scores for Borough as they lose 2-1 to Blackburn Benny McCarthy gets injured and collapses on the field after a head injury Jesus um but then new signing Rocky Santa Cruz comes on and gets his first goal for the club so they weren't too emotional about uh Benny McCarthy for too long. And that's from a David Bentley cross, by the way. See, now, the Mark Hughes stock is sky high at this stage. Yeah. Has a good year at Blackburn. Obviously, Benny McCarthy's had that year before. Santa Cruz in now. Well, they come fifth or sixth the year before. 
Yeah, I think they came seventh this year, sixth or seventh this seventh this year. Actually, no, it's fifth because we did it on the Fergie pod, so he's come fifth a few seasons before. So but he's, he's kept them going well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you look at the teams around them, he's doing really well. Also, the the uh, maybe the human embodiment of the Mandela effect, Matt Derbyshire, where in my mind I'd say decent player. I look obviously not that great. But I look at his record. Doesn't it double figures until he goes to Greece? <laughs> yeah, because he scores a peach in this game, doesn't he? Or is it Cyprus? It's one of the, he's got yeah, the yeah, standard yeah. kind of edge of the area, and you. But right, I was thinking right. he's going to have a few seasons with I don't know ten, eleven goals in there. Nothing too mad. They must have showed every one of his goals in the Premier League years <laughs> because his record's abysmal. Yeah, if I was, if I was looking back, this is probably going to be disrespectful now. Brilliant. If I. One, I would say, is quite clearly better than the other. But I would probably have him and Stuart Downing in the same pocket. That probably is disrespectful, yeah. Downing had a decent Premier League career. Yeah, well, I saw that I hated I, him when, I had, look, when <laughs> I had a look back at yeah. his uh, wiki this morning. But yeah, Matt, Matt Derbyshire there. The commentary, um, I think I've watched a match of the day two rerun of this, uh, a lot of these fixtures. And with David Bentley, they they say that he's looking to establish himself as one of the premium marksmen in the league or something <laughs> like this in terms of his delivery. Obviously, gets off to a great start. And I mean, he's a decent player for as, as long as it lasts. Yeah, yeah. I think he spoke as and he just sort of fell out of love with it. Yeah, I thought it was a good sign in the times that the Etihad an opening day. Colton Cole scores for West Ham inside eight minutes with an overhead kick assisted by Freddie Lundberg. <laughs> Fred Lundberg, who said he left Arsenal to go and win trophies, by the way, and then joined West Ham. <laughs> Which is when his legend status comes up, we do just kind of gloss over that. Mm. West Ham, I mean, I mean, I guess slightly on but they were doing just some odd business here anyway. <laughs> but often signing... I forgot Nobby Solano ended up there. So I saw him on here a couple of times. Like, what the hell were they doing? They were just picking up players at the end of their time at a club. Yeah. And I remember like... Um, they just wanted, they and over players, like, they picked up like Lucas Neal around this point. And he was supposed to come to Liverpool, which is a bad sign for us at the time. <laughs> but they like, doubled his wages. He gave him like 60 grand at the time. You're like, Phew. I stand throwing it around a bit. Yeah. Darius Vassell equalises in this game with an assist from Rolando Bianchi. Now, I mean, we're going to talk about the City team, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> we touched on last week with Sven. How phenomenal is it that with all these signings, Vassal is still, without doubt, <laughs> probably first name on the team sheet every time. We, we don't have much on them here, but the the joy I had each time I see Heskey popping up with a goal on this Premier League years, the disrespect that man suffered at the hands of KSI. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he owes a bit, I don't say slightly, to Steve Bruce, who I really think has given him a second chapter to his career because he comes in a wig and gets him going... Look, Hutchins try again, you play football. Let's go back to what we know. You stick it up to Heskey. And they were safe. That was the perfect job for Steve Bruce at that point, that sort of thing. The um, And again, Heskey ends up getting a move to Villa, gets back in the England squad, which you would have never guessed around this point. All from basically them going, yeah, we're, we're sick of trying to actually play. Let's start lumping it back up to him. To him and Sibierski. I mean, Bruce needs... Some sort of credit for getting a tune out of a player like Sibierski. Jesus. The smile out of my face when they have that interview with Bruce um, after he successfully kept winging up. It's the nicest interview in the world when he's like, you know, I had that trip down the motorway a couple months back and I was wondering, but this is probably one of the greatest things I've done in football. He's so happy. Yeah. And the thing with that is, polite to a fault, because in there he's gone... And he's given it like an Oscars acceptance <laughs> speech here when he's, but he's gone, uh, I want to thank the chairman for the opportunity. Yeah, that's understand. And he, I think at one point he goes, for the outlay as well. And I was like, 
Dave Wheeler must be putting on like a good end of season do or something because it can't be the outlay on the team. I can't. It can't be. Emerson Boyce is one of your best players. Well, he does. The, he does the thing in there where he's definitely forgotten someone because he says, um, "Look, I'm obviously proud of the job that I've done here. Um, I can't thank. Uh, I've can't thank the players any more than I can, but most of all the staff. Yeah. The staff really are the ones <laughs> that have got us over. Say the all of them. Um, best thing for him as well. Obviously, Birmingham go down in the same year. So, I mean, horrific for Birmingham. That was a, there can't that was be many record, worse performances than McLeish. They bought him out, didn't they, of his contract, Steve Bruce? Did they? They paid like three million or something. Not bad, not bad for him. No. Get out of there and get down to Wigan. Um, yeah, McLeish, by the way, has to turn his back on his country <laughs> and still gets relegated for Birmingham. What a brutal, brutal year for him. Uh, Torres debuts at Villa Park. Martin Lawson scores an own goal in the first half. Then... Carragher handballs to give Barry a penalty on 85 minutes. And Liverpool do this same horrible thing that they repeatedly did at this time, where it's like they're doing it to give their fans like the double boost because they give you that low of conceding late and then they just bounce straight back. And they did it against us same year in the Champions League. But Gerard just scores an absolute beauty two minutes later from about 35 yards. Yep. Um, we got a layman howler where he goes to pass it out or fancy. David Healy scores, yeah. yeah. And that's Love a it. real thing of like, keepers now have to be able to play out. This, Layman's literally just trying to play a pass with the weak foot and it looks like he's trying to do a Rabona. I'd love to see some of the keepers from this time. Well, we saw, it. Czech was probably the best example of it because he was yeah. kind of from that previous era. And the guy from that era as well. Yeah. So. And then the manager's just gone, look, I want you to be able to pass it to rather than just to the centre back, I want you to pass it to the full back. And he's, <laughs> and he's going, You what? <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, that game RVP equalises with a pen and then the club wins it with the last kick of the game. Listening to that on the radio, which I never really did because I I don't know about you, I can never get a clear enough picture in my head that makes listening to it on the radio worth it. Like I was better off just watching teletext. Or okay. later down the years the little tracker on uh, BBC Sport where you just have the little pinger right. come up every... I saw the Adebayor slide on one of those BBC Sport tickets, which, which was pretty brutal. But I remember being in the car with my uncle and hearing that club, like last kick of the game, two goals in the last, last goal 10. Well. Yeah. United draw nil-nil with Reading where they do this thing at the start of the season where they tease us like, we might be shit this year. Oh, don't. Don't. Uh... Mikel Forsell, now this got me. Yeah, I know what you're going to say here. I was right up on Scores first, scores against Chelsea, their first game back in the league, and refuses to celebrate. <laughs> what the hell does he think? Like, does he think he's Gianfranco Zola? But it's not even like, remember when Lampard didn't want to celebrate against Chelsea, but he's got the he's got the smirk on his face, like, I'm happy I scored He looked moody, didn't he? And then he does put the hand up. Yeah, Forsell's like, my legacy year is done. I can't believe what I've just done. It was very much, he, he was like, uh, what's it, Wesley Snipes in New Jack City. So like, <laughs> I didn't want to have to do this, but I've had to put Chelsea down. <laughs> and then Wright Phillips assists Pizarro two minutes later for oh, one of wow. his two goals that season. Um, but that he seems to keep popping up on this Premier League is as well. I've, I've got him, I've got him down. Uh, and then SEM wins it with a keeper howler at the end. But great opening weekend. Hmm. I Great think fun. we do get kind of, aside from United, we do get kind of an indication as to what everyone's about pretty early. The good and the bad, probably. Yeah, exactly. It's just gone 7am. A very good morning to you. This is Sunrise Thursday, 
20th of September. The top stories, goodbye Mourinho, shock at Chelsea as the club and manager agree to part company by mutual consent. If we take a look then at the management situations that we get throughout this season, because, I mean, we mentioned uh, Sammy Lee and Allardyce, but we've got a bit of a merry-go-round and just some of the names that, are, that appear here. Avram Grant replaces Jose, and we'll speak more about that in a moment. Martin O'Neill at Villa, the glory days there. McLeish at Birmingham, as you've said. Mark Hughes at Blackburn. Gary Megson, you get at Bolton after Sammy Lee. Paul Jewell at Derby after leaving Wigan. <laughs> a good advert for careful what job you take next. But then him getting leaked in the press with um, that bird where he was just so far punching the bar <laughs> these stations. Is that like the universe evening it out? You went to Derby, look, here you go. I do remember the papers were like, how's he with her as well, weren't they? Yeah. Like, this seems well, brutal. It was like half, because he cheated on his wife, hadn't he? Mm-hmm. So half of it was like, you're a disgrace. And the other half was like, but to be fair. Brendan had a bit of that when he was at Liverpool as well. <laughs> Left his like long-term wife for the younger models. And then when he started doing his teeth and stuff, oh, Brendan. It's where the Christ. journalist is kind of like, the people reading this know what I'm trying to say, but we have to like code it here for just on face value. It's like winking at the, winking at the reader. Moisey at Everton. Hodgson takes over from Laurie Sanchez at Fulham. We'll speak about them in a moment. Uh, very much Rafa's time at Liverpool. Sven at City. Southgate at Borough. Big Sam and then Kevin Keegan at Newcastle. Harry at Portsmouth. Steve Coppel at Reading. Keane at Sunderland. Martin Yol, then Yuande Ramos at Spurs. Kirbishley at West Ham with Lucas Neal as his captain. Yeah. Uh, Steve Bruce at Wigan. So, there we go. Which one to do first? Okay, so, Big Sam at Newcastle. He says after a couple of months, doesn't he? Look, look this isn't why, this wasn't where how I wanted things to go. I thought we were going to do better than this, mm-hmm. but look, it's down to me to get it sorted. They don't stick with him for that long. What is it, around Christmas time they sack him? Even before that, isn't it? Got just I've got down just about everything. Exactly. Either way, Kevin Keegan comes in. He does nominal by Newcastle at this point where their shortlist is Shearer or Keegan. <laughs> and it's just to, if we can't get one, we'll get the other. We're at a time when all these other clubs are looking abroad or whatever, they go, have we tried Keegan again, maybe? Jan- no, it's January last January, so, okay. Yeah. 9th of January, and then Keegan comes in eight days later. Um, you you pondered here as to whether Big Sam could have kept them up. Because I do remember it did feel like they were a bit of a sinking ship under him. For whatever reason, just wasn't working. And there was a big thing, wasn't there, that, look, Newcastle, we like to try and play adventurous football here, and Big Sam, you are not that guy. However accurate or not that is. Uh, it was always an uncomfortable fit from the jump. Well, I think some of the signings that they'd made, the fact they bring in Mark Viduka, hmm. they bring in Joey Barton for five and a half million. Alan Smith comes in. Jose Enrique comes in. Abdullah Fai. They put a fair amount of money on the table and they move on from Scott Parker, Kieran Dyer, Albert Luque. 
you have a bit of a turnaround here, and I think Milner's still there at this point as well. Yeah, I think some of the players they brought in, if it wasn't going to be pretty, they at least thought they're going to be putting more goals. When you look at it, and it starts table. to come into fruition a little bit under Keegan, that front three of Viduka, Martins, and Owen should be a really good front three at that point. I don't think any of them are necessarily. Maybe it is Pico Buffemi, I don't know. But I don't think necessarily they're all at the peak, but they're all really good players still. And that front three should have been, yeah, pretty pretty good at that point. Yeah. And those big Sam are definitely not. I've got a bit more on pre-season later because it does kid you sometimes into getting a bit too pumped up before the season begins. I mean, You do well to remember that. Newcastle take out Celtic and Juventus in pre-season. <laughs> Their fans are going big here. They do lose to Hull, which I think they overlook. But yeah, they take out Celtic, Juve and Sampdoria. All at St. James's. Everyone is pumped up, fired up here. They then beat Bolton on the opening day. They go and beat in the first four games. Draw with Villa. Draw with Middlesbrough. They beat Wigan. Alarm bell should have been ringing when they lose to Derby. That should probably... I mean... In when you're the only team that loses to a historically bad team. When they look back, they probably sack Big Sam after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably it. When they know what what goes on to happen here. But one of the best things with his sacking, though, is that obviously with his sort of pro zone thing where he's sat up in the thing, he is sat two seats down from his boss whilst all the fans are going, you don't know what you're doing. And, and he just says, well, they've got a right to do that. <laughs> it's not going too well. You said about it when we spoke about ownership when we did the pod with Harry the other week. And you've got numerous shots here of Ashley down pitch side with his Newcastle shirt shirt on, which has massively long sleeves, by the way. He must have been wearing a big old shirt at these Maybe he lost a lot of weight, (laughs) given the benefit of the doubt. But after the Derby game, they pick up three wins in in their next four and then they go three months without a win. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so, that's free fall I think the writing was probably on the wall it's one of them and we get it so much in football and it's a bit different now where so you social media it's a lot easier to have it quoted back at you but once you've turned on a manager it is hard to go back mm. because especially in and around the ground you're so outspoken about it in the moment that you can't the next week go, you know what I think he might have a bit more time so when they pick up a win I mean against Everton and Spurs, which are two good wins yeah, when you look, at, you look at the end of this season. It's very hard to turn it around because it gets held against him that he gets battered by Liverpool. I know Liverpool aren't the Liverpool they are now, but Liverpool should have still been beating them. Blackburn, they drop points. So they draw with Arsenal. I don't know. Derby take four points off him this season. and <sighs> That's tough. In a team that only gets 11 he sacked after a loss to Man City. They lost to Chelsea and Wigan before that. As you say, I think it's the feel that was around it at that point. I think you knew he was doomed. And none of the, I don't think any of the fans had his back at all. No, and I don't know what the papers were like. If there was any murmurings of Keegan being around, kind of in the wings, if they do get rid of him, it's probably not going to take much to then push him out. No, very much probably like a, situation when we had Dalgleish waiting for when Roy was fucked it's like well we have a ready-made club legend here because I mean the whole thing is you look at their results for the rest of the season 
And it's not like Keegan came in and was pulling up trees. No, so no, no. They get what? After, after Keegan comes in, they get four more wins until the end of the season. Yeah, it's not convincing. I think... <laughs> Almost like he's not a very good manager. <laughs> yeah. They had seven under Sam before he was sacked. It it's whether the feeling in the dressing room was. I think I think Keegan came in and did almost like uh, what Ollie did at first at United, where it was lifted spirits a little bit. People like him; he's a positive influence. And there's no, especially at this time, like Newcastle fans are referring to him as the Messiah. They do love it, <laughs> yeah. and so that will generate something that's just the polar opposite to how they feel about Sam at this point. And that will have an effect on, on a team like that. It's, confidence is obviously shot at this point. Yeah, just having that. It is phenomenal, though, the way they do love him. Because it's, it's, it's effectively like if we brought Brendan back. <laughs> and basically a really entertaining but flawed team who threw away a league title and came second. It's basically the same thing. Because, I mean, it's not a bad call to the team. You look at the appearances throughout the season. Nicky Butt plays more games than anyone. He's the captain. Elsewhere, you got and Zogbia, Alan Smith, Stephen Taylor, Oberfemi, Michael Owen, Milner, and Habib Bey. They all play over 30 games, so you can kind of see the crux of the team there. Again, it's defensively. But Stephen Taylor and Zogbia isn't bad at the time. That's a kind of mid-table-ish. Shea given in goal, presumably. Yeah. It's not, not the worst. Because you've got that goal where... It's a Lano scores, it isn't it? Where he scores a peach from a free kick and Andy Gray on commentary. It's great to be hearing him, by the way. We didn't know what a lunatic he was at this point. <laughs> and he's like, that's one of the best goalkeepers this league's ever seen here. And he's made him look like a fool. That The seeming just rotation between Giovanni and Alano for who's going to get a worldie this week for City. That's <laughs> great fun. I mean, Michael Owen, 13 goals, Oberfemi, 10. Paducah picks up seven. It's a nice front three. It is, and they've kept them together for the majority as well. Like a, Mark Viduka starts 28 games. So 28-33-33. That's a decent... Michael Owen's got that old wall that, uh, show me I'm injury prone now, lads. <laughs> Viduka's definitely one where if we're podding at the time we're coming on, I don't see how this one can go wrong. I look at this, I see him coming in, Big old boy there, big Sam. This one's going to be... Bulletproof signing, we're calling it. And it just doesn't quite go that way. You're probably calling him a pig if it goes wrong. <laughs> well, not for Newcastle. Yeah, Nobby Solano gets two games. Uh, and goes to West Ham. Yeah, less games than Peter Ramage. Was he a local lad? I feel like he must have been, just be getting games. Yeah. Bit of a battle going on. Shea given 24 games. 21 for Steve Harper. A young Andy Carroll there as well. He makes six appearances that season. <laughs> Learning from the best. Yeah, I wish he'd worked out for Duke's touch. <laughs> yeah. So, do you think he keeps them up? He probably does. Um, I think it would be closer than we think now because I think we forget just the level of negative feeling around him at the time. Um, Which happens look- at every club he's at. Yeah, true. He normally at least has that initial. He doesn't even have that here. <laughs> the um, the thing is, if you look at how Birmingham and Reading plummet this year, I think you'd back Sam in a race with two teams like that than you than you would either of those two teams. It might almost have been better if he was stuck in around that 
and he's very much then rallying the troops rather than... I guess this is the other thing. Newcastle aren't expecting to be in a relegation battle at this point. So the fact that they are getting sucked into it means you don't even have the, well, we're in a relegation fight, so Sam will save us. It's, well, we should be in a relegation <laughs> yeah. fight, so why is he here? Yeah. Then you asked, who is this season worst for in terms of the, the managerial runaround? The, there are careers being flushed down the toilet in this season. I had a look at almost every manager that leaves here or goes down and what happens with them. I'm going I'm going to say I've got Laurie Sanchez it's worse for. That's who I'm going with. Yeah, he goes to Barnet four years later. He's not that much. <laughs> an absolute disaster. He goes from a Premier League job to Barnet four years later. He lasts two years there before going and being relegated with Apollon in Greece yeah. with which he then questions the integrity of the league. I mean, some front. But they say when I was reading about it, the fans still loved him. Really? Yeah, they say that much like much like with his other jobs, yeah, he managed to get the fans on board despite being completely undeserving. <laughs> yeah, that's the remarkable. I don't really know how, how he got the Fulham him? job because he's done nothing at this point. Is he not? Is he a normal Nile manager? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. No, I take it, but he did an okay job at North, Northern Ireland, didn't he? Hard to judge. It's, it's got carried by David Ely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah I, I don't know. It's At club level, he certainly hadn't shown enough that I would go. Because they got rid of, obviously, Chris Coleman the day before. So I don't know that I'd be looking at him going, that's a significant upgrade. No. And, I mean, Big Sam, no issue there. He then has stints with Blackburn, Everton, West Ham, Sunderland, England, <laughs> Palace and West Brom. So he's fine. He's, we've only just started to to feel like, okay, people might not touch this guy anymore. Yeah, true. Yeah. I think you, you're you pretty confident he's going into another Bolton situation yeah. pretty quickly. Kevin Keegan just has enough. <laughs> <laughs> he becomes a Twitter account. Billy Davis has two stints with Forrest. Paul Jewell has a year at Ipswich three years later where they reached the semi-finals of the League Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's there okay. where they beat Arsenal in the first leg, and Fabregas because pre-game Fabregas uh, says that we're, we're probably gonna have trouble against his rugby team. Oh, don't do it pre-game. And then they win one nil. Never do it pre-game. Um. Yeah, and then he becomes an assistant manager after he leaves Ipswich. He's had enough. Yeah, that's that's killed him. Martin Yo gets a job at Hamburg, Ajax, Fulham, and Al Ali. Uh, yeah, so, so he does so all right. Yo. Particularly because Ra- Ramos isn't there very long. It probably helps yours, uh, CV. Is it if you were telling me his brother's got a funny name? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what is it again? Oh, I'll double check. It's hilarious though. And he got kind of like, uh, he got funny about the fact that his brother's got this name that English people laugh at. <laughs> his brother's a, if his brother's called Cock and Dick, because you- <laughs> <laughs> if you search Martin your brother it says brothers dick y'all and cock y'all <laughs> surely um, well apparently that is true yeah yeah I remember him saying something about uh, why is cock such a funny name and obviously all these British journalists are cracking up one one called dick who's a FIFA accredited referee and the other called cock who works as a scout at Spurs I always thought dick advocate was a really unfortunate name <laughs> yeah. dick advocate just um, 
I mean, Sammy Lee gets a stint as a caretaker manager with Liverpool after this. <laughs> well, this is the thing. It's probably, it's an itch Sammy Lee had to scratch. Can <laughs> I be a manager? No, emphatically no, I can't. I'm gonna, And he gets some good coaching and assistant role. He does, he does. Obviously, via Sam, he ends up on the English setup for a bit. Football manager, I've always picked him up and just chucked him in with uh, my youth teams. Just gone, give him some of that experience. Get him, get him around the place. He's such an assistant manager. I don't know whoever looked at him before giving the top job. I th- I think I want him um, on like a Jose touchline at his like peak times where he's sprinting across the Camp Nou with his arm in the air. Just, I want Sammy Lee's passion <laughs> yes. put in the middle of that with... His bright red complexion. I mean, yeah, in the nicest way possible. His ratty expression and just I want him screw-facing on the touchline. I don't need to know anything about his coaching. I know it already. It's 99% enthusiasm, 1% knowledge. He He's the guy you just assigned to the assistant on football manager. Where the, where's the passion, lads? <laughs> Every time. <laughs> nice one, Sammy. There uh, was, at this point, a real like um, acceptance, though, while he's getting a managerial job at some point, and how quickly that bubble was burst. Sven, I mean, his is like he's throwing darts at just where am I going to go next? After City, he goes to Mexico and manages the national team. He then goes to Ivory Coast. He's following the money, isn't he? He's in Thailand, isn't he? Leicester next. Then uh, Guangzhou, Shanghai. And then he takes the the Philippines national team role. (laughs) Good God. Yeah. And it's fair to say Jose does all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad, is it? No, so... This is the first sacking of Jose's career. It was a bombshell at the time as yeah, well. At, at this stage, he's led the team to two league titles, one FA Cup and two league cups. In the statement, and you think there's been a lot of insistence here, they say, early this morning we announced that Chelsea and Jose Mourinho have agreed to part ways by mutual consent. They say in the statement, the key phrase here is mutual consent. Jose did not resign and he was not sacked. What a weird... They say... uh, The relationship between the club and Jose had broken down uh, despite genuine attempts over several months by all parties to resolve certain differences. The reason this decision is being made is that we believe the breakdown started to impact on the performance of the team and recent results supported this view. So the story goes, if you can remember this, they play Rosenborg in the Champions League. Yep. They have some kind of meeting in the tunnel after they draw 1-1. And Jose basically says, I dare you to sack me. He says, if you think you can do better, I dare you to sack me. <laughs> and I think three days later, Roman says, yeah, you know what? Fair enough. <laughs> but there's already a lot going on. There's some issues behind the scenes. There was always the thing wasn't there where they say... Roman was forcing him to play Shevchenko. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably where the rot starts, isn't it? Who scores 18-25 this season, but I think two of them were with Jose. He looked horrible as well. It starts with that. Supposedly, they've obviously won stuff now, but Roman wants the Champions League, which he's not getting, and he does want a better style of play, supposedly is how it all comes. Obviously, Jose's going to push back on all of the above. Well, as, as part of his settlement, he gets 18 million from this payout Christ they signed that he couldn't join an English club for another year 
despite Spurs contacting him five times in the week they sacked Martin Joel. You've got to admire the ambition of Spurs at that point. It seemed outlandish when they got him this time, yeah. but it's at this point, never has a manager's stock really been quite this high, and Spurs are in and around the bottom three at this stage. There's that meme in there uh, of those two blokes on just that horrendous living room floor. It's going, bell him again, lad. And this, <laughs> is, this is them with Jose. <laughs> that the, They're surely banking on him being that much of a sore maniac that he will take the job just to spite Chelsea. Because there's no other reason he's going there. No, no. Financially, not even in that ballpark at that point either. So. No. Strange. Avram Grant comes in as manager. They'd already made him director of football during this time. When Roman starts to see there's some issues here, Jose will say he undermined him. Roman would say he put procedures in place to protect the football club in, in case this happened, which yeah. I guess both would probably say that they were proved correct. It was... um. A huge win for Abramovich ultimately, though, where you go. Because I remember some the fans work, obviously, they should have clipped the game with uh, where there's all these thank you Jose signs and we want Jose back. There's booing going on. They obviously, Gravon Grant, not exactly a charismatic figure, so it was quite no. easy for fans to take it out on. But ultimately, they also come to, well, look, without this owner, we're not doing this. So as much as Jose's a special one, Roman has elevates himself as, well, look, I'm the guy. And the fans have to get in line. Yeah, I guess so. Steve Sidwell later says that almost everyone in the dressing room was crying when they got the news. They say Jose came in and shook everyone's hand and told him, look, I'd rather be staying here, blah, blah, blah. He insists he wasn't the one crying, which is very much... I wasn't... Everyone else was crying. (laughs) Everybody else but me. Um, And he says it just shows how much people did love him. And there was this thing for a while, wasn't there, where they were just trying to really paint... Not everyone hates this bloke and every player that you had managed would come out and be like, he's not a bastard beyond the scenes as if he could have ever got to where he was yeah. by just being a complete cretin off the field. The uh, the thing is, I don't know about you watching this stuff back at the time, do you miss that, Jose, where you could hate him, but he did have that level of charisma where there was something there, whereas he kind of forgot the one half of the equation as time went on and just kind of got miserable, really. Yeah, you, you just had to Seemed rely... To more handsome at this point as well. Maybe that helped. <laughs> you just had to rely on the couple of weeks as it goes downhill when he's just going to get everything off his chest. Yeah, yeah. Because he comes out before this and says, the only way I'm leaving Chelsea is if my contract expires or they decide they don't want me anymore. Yeah, yeah. And he really does try and swivel it. Sticks it all on them. Yeah, yeah, and say, look, this this, this isn't me. Goes to Inter and wins a treble there, so it's not too bad. Yeah, yeah. The strikers did definitely let him down. I mean, I've got the stats for the whole season, but the star power they've got is phenomenal. But Shevchenko gets 8 in 25 and Nelka only gets 2 in 24 that season. Pizarro gets two in 32. Yeah, Pizarro wasn't great. And one of those was on the opening day. <laughs> they only signed an Alka in January though, don't they? Yeah. But still. I he, well, he missed a penalty in the Champions League final. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't good for anyone. Oh. It's, it's very interesting that because do you think they purposely go to someone with the charisma, as you said, of Avram Grant to just be the opposite of Jose because there was no way you were going to charm the Chelsea fans? No. Seemed um, 
as you said, it was just um, the Roman had put it in prior as a safety net, and and that's all it was. A they weren't getting anyone in the interim, so he'll do. And look, he does a, a really good job when you look yeah. at it. And we don't know how ruthless Roman is yet at this stage. Yeah, that's it. We don't know that he's going to be basically the first sign of failure. You're done. Yeah. If you look at, obviously, Terry goes down with an injury against Arsenal. Yeah. So he's out right. for a couple of months. Drogba's at the African Cup of Nations, hence why they signed an Alka initially in that January. And obviously, Grant ends up taking it to the last game of the season. If well, it, that's not an easy job he's got, particularly with everyone obviously on his back because of Jose. So there is the theory that without Avram Grant, every future Chelsea manager just gets so much more time. Like if Avram Grant just completely flops here, Roman theory. then realises it's probably not good to sack a manager mid-season. So is the argument with Grant, well, if he can do it, well, it's I just basically that he's seen that it can work. Like yeah. you don't need a whole preseason, mm. the manager to get all his own players in. Like you can do it if you get. You still have to get the right appointment. Imagine if he had. Obviously, the, he's very much the bridesmaid rather than the bride. But imagine if he had got over the line at League Champions League or whatever. Well, Christ. I mean, Di Matteo probably shows us that even still, not going like, to matter. It's yeah, not going to yeah. matter. But you see. In the league at the time, you do have the managers like Moyes, Martin O'Neill, Fergie, um, Wenger, where if you're an owner coming in, you probably do look at it and say, all right, the the way here isn't just to go around just sacking people when you look at all the clubs that are at the top of the table. This is, um, the sacking trend is growing this year though, isn't it? If you consider, I think we've spoken about most of these sackings. I think seven of them have happened in the first a couple of months. The people are going, look, if this isn't working, <laughs> we're sacking the manager. Yeah, Jose's gone by September, Sammy Lee, October, Martin Yole, October, Chris Hutchings, November, Steve Bruce goes, November, uh, Billy Davis, November, Laurie Sanchez makes it to December, Allardyce, night for January. Yeah, so it's- Clubs are, I do remember that sort of slightly faux outrage from the media of sacking managers, or whatever, when they quickly realise actually, link of managers with a sack is quite a decent yeah. way for us to make money, actually. <laughs> yeah, and everyone does enjoy a sack in the morning. I enjoyed it at Unai Emery, he just, he just didn't get sacked the morning after. <laughs> oh, it's bleak, though, isn't it? When you look at it, you feel this is just someone's job, and they're just getting screamed at. Well, Sam realised, didn't he, that the worst thing to do is actually bite back there you do just kind of have to take it on the chin and be like, you know what, fair enough. <laughs> I do probably deserve this. His one is extra brutal because he's up in the stands. These fans are like so close to him and they're just shouting in his yeah. face. Who Who's your favourite when you look back at this period just pinpointing manager in a job? Favourite? Yeah. I like, I like Roy at Fulham. I mean, maybe we can come on to this. It literally creates a whole new career for Roy. Staying up creates oh, a whole thing, an entire chapter to his career that never happens if they go down. Literally on the, on the spin of that. The Randall, I I did really like. I thought Milo Neal at Villa was a really good match. Thought they were great. Moyes at Everton as well. To be fair, these are kind of if I think of an Everton manager, I'm thinking of David Moyes. If I think of a manager at Villa, I'm thinking of Martin O'Neill. Like hmm. these are the guys, probably just because we grew up with them, but. I tell you, it was it was the win this year for the old fashioned manager with Bruce and Megson keeping up Bolton and Wigan. 
with some old meat, meat and potatoes fashion football. No messing around. It was a huge win for the big man up top. Kevin Davis and Emil Heskey basically saving their teams. For what That's what uh, Big Sam really needed. He just needed to bring Kevin Davis with him. He comes obviously later. No, he doesn't come later down. It's Kevin Nolan that comes later down the line. But either one probably would have gone a long way. Surprised Davis didn't. And that's what you're saying earlier, right at the top, wasn't it? It's a quick feat, the movement around Sol. Rooney's uh, just loitering yes. away from the main man. <laughs> I see that. He doesn't usually pass him up. I know Hargreaves hit one against Reading, oh, did he? I wonder, I was there. Wonderful, wonderful effort by Hargreaves. Brilliant save by Hanneman. I think the two brave guys are parked in Carrick here. Because <laughs> you think he might smash it there. He smashed it into the back of the net. It gets even better for Cristiano Ronaldo. You can't talk about this season without really getting into the brilliance of Cristiano Ronaldo. So I sat last night and watched an 11-minute compilation of every goal he scored this year. 42 in all competitions. 32, I think it was, in the league. And the first thing that really caught my attention was just how much of a different player he looks at this time. Like I do sometimes forget the fact that he has just completely reinvented his game yeah. just by the fact that he is now 37 years old. And even the last you know, few years of his time at Madrid, he's becoming more, I'm going to be in the middle, not running around too much. I'm yeah. going to be getting goals. I'm not doing all the tricks and flicks I'm doing at this point. So it's crazy this year that he's able to basically get the goals that he's getting when he's just a goal scorer, plus all this other stuff with the tricks, the flicks, this assists, look- running, it's unbelievable really yeah this looks like everything's just clicked like he's just got the perfect balance of everything like you can see him dropping deep to link up the play his pace is just frightening and then you've just got Rooney and Tevez there with him so you can't even double or triple up on him and he's doing all of this Disgusting with team. 10 pounds of gel in his hair to slick it down <laughs> Shamak before Shamak um, imagine how much lighter he could have been <laughs> just- I mean you've got tons of headers uh, loads of late runs into the area the curlers from outside the area, penalties, obviously, some mad free kicks against Sunderland, Newcastle, I believe, and the one against Portsmouth, obviously. The free kick. Which, maybe the overhead kick he scores against Juventus, that and the free kick against uh, Portsmouth are probably going to be right at the top of any compilation of his best goals. Yeah, yeah. Including... David James having to shrug his shoulders and be like, what did you expect me to do? <laughs> Who was the defender that's going to him? Come on, you got to stop that one, boss. Yeah, I can't make out who it is, but no. he gives a shrug like, what? what James's was- face is perfect though, isn't it? Like, it's the perfect summary of... Unless they're in the wall, maybe, and so they aren't seeing the swerve behind them is the only excuse I can think. You're telling me, go check the tape, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Very much the... Uh- you do instantly think of that Arsenal fan outside the ground who said, <laughs> I could have saved that Coutinho one. Oh, come on. There's a goal against Newcastle where he falls over and the crowd all cheer and then 10 seconds later he's got it back, gone round the keeper and scores and he kind of just shrugs like, you had the cheek to laugh at me. Yeah, that's a guy at his absolute peak of his powers. And yeah, he's considered a midfielder at this stage so they give a him winger. a record. Yeah, well they give him a record for the most goals in a golden boot season for a midfielder, the most goals scored of any midfielder in a league campaign. Um, and he, Feels he, very tenuous, doesn't it? That? Yeah, he equals Shearer's record for the most goals in a season. 
he gets like a Rabona against Villa from a corner and that looks like one of his scruffier goals of the season. He's just a joke. We can probably blame Spurs for this title when you look back. <sighs> They've not won for a month. And then they just rock up to play Spurs at Old Trafford, beat them and then just don't lose for another three months. Like the Spurs just give them that kick into action. That's Much like they did um, in keeping Ollie in a job for a bit longer. <laughs> he <Yeah>. rocks up. <laughs> well, even back out then. Yeah. Um, does this Ronaldo season get enough credit? Because it wouldn't be one that I would instantly look back on just because you look at those La Liga years, him and Messi, and they're banging like 50-plus mm. goals a season. Yeah, I, th- I think there is an idea that he's basically on his way up at United and then is at his peak at Madrid, whereas this is... I think the beginning of his peak. I think he is already at this level and Madrid is a continuation of it. Now the consistency, I guess, elevates you to another level again by doing it so many years. But this is the beginning of it. He is the best player in the world at this point. Because a year later he goes to Madrid? So they get one more season out of him because this summer he starts talking about the move. He's been held hostage. Fergie squeezes another year out of him. They get another league title, of course. And uh, yeah, and then they say their farewells. This, in terms of like the seasons then, you look in his criticism as time's gone on has been that yes, he's scoring goals, but everyone around him is being made worse. Like everyone else's numbers are dropping. Mm-hmm. You look at this here and Rooney and Tevez are still putting up big numbers. numbers. Berbatov comes in after he's still banging numbers. Like, yep. He manages to keep everyone involved and he's still just as arrogant. Um, they interview him on the last day of the season and we'll get into the title race in a bit, but... He says, well, I knew as soon as I scored that we were then going to win because I was going to drag us to victory. And it's, so he does have that arrogance about him, but yes, Thierry Henry added arrogance about him and Cantona and yeah. I Shearer mean, and whoever else. The honest translation of Ronaldo says that if we score first against Wigan, we're probably going to win. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and say we win this one. But he is just a joke, isn't he, this year? Yeah, yeah, he's freakish this year. This is as as good a standalone season you're going to have. You've got the Suarez year for Liverpool, you've got this one. You've probably got a couple from Rory. But yeah, the 0 where he gets, what, double figures in goals and assists. Yeah, you'd be looking at those sort of years as this is when you look at a player being, this guy's out of this world. Yeah, because, I mean, we, we spoke about the early season form and we'll speak about it a, a bit later, but United probably have more games than Arsenal and even Chelsea where they look ordinary this year, but it just so helps that They've just got this demon at the other end of the pitch. They can turn it up. And let's face it, Rooney and Tevez at this point are shit out as well. When you're looking at the the highlights and stuff, the amount of things like Tevez will do, where you're like, this is a joke. Well, even his, even his frame's different this year. He looks far more lanky, and obviously his height hasn't changed, but he looks far more weedy, but he's got that ability, and it's going to be disrespectful, but it's the best comparison that I can think of in this moment is... I look at Saka and he looks like one of the weediest players in the yeah. league. But he just has this ability where the players bounce off him now. Ronaldo, the players are bouncing off him and he's scoring 30 goals that season. You're right. It's, it's like he's just got everything. Everything just clicks yeah. all at once, doesn't it? It's kind of slowly been checking each box and now it's all it's all there. Yeah. I did love this, by the way. We're just sitting there of Southgate and Marquis trying to get into it and they asked Southgate about it he's like yeah I didn't, I didn't want that work I didn't want any work with Marquis <laughs> whatever happened today it would have been overshadowed by the awful injury 
to Eduardo. Did you have a view on it? Yes. And did you think it was a straight red card? I think uh, this guy should never play football again. What is he doing on the football pitch? In your mind, did you feel it was intentional I, 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 then? I, uh, I feel that goes around with the idea for a long time that uh, to stop Arsenal you have to kick Arsenal. And I knew that that was coming for a long time now. How serious is the injury to Eduardo? Is there a uh, latest? The season is over for him and uh, his injury is very, very bad. You say the season is over. I hope it isn't the case. More, but more is this a career-threatening injury? More than the season is over. Uh, Birmingham said that Martin Taylor is not that sort of player. The player is distraught himself. Well, it was a complete uh, accident. No sort of player. You play the ball or you don't play the ball. That's all. I, I think uh, uh, it, it is disastrous. For that kind of tackle is disastrous. Probably the thing I'm most passionate about when it comes to this 2007-2008 season is the what if Eduardo didn't get injured. So. Thierry sold that summer alongside Freddie and Reyes. Eduardo and Sanya come in. Arsenal don't lose a game until December. It was against Borough, of all teams. <laughs> um, but in February 2008, we're five points clear at the top of the Premier League, seemingly on course for the first title since 2004. Three minutes into a game at St Andrews, Martin Taylor just leaves Eduardo in a heap have this thing here where the TV broadcasts actually do show a slow motion replay and halfway yeah. through go, whoa, hang on a minute, this is this is a bit bad. <laughs> and then they just refuse to show it after that. Um, I don't know if you could rewind on TV at this stage. I don't think so. The papers showed a zoomed in version of it. Yeah, so just, yeah. <laughs> just in case you did There's miss it. a bone it. sticking out. Yeah. Leg break compilations were a real thing at this time. Mm. They, like Some of the most viewed videos on YouTube were just like leg break fails and things like this. Um, no, not that Gibral Suse one, the other one. Yeah, yeah. Wenger spoke after the incident and... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Passionate. He said, people will say he's not the type of guy that does that, but it's like a guy who kills only once in his life. They're still a dead person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. He also said that he should never play football again yeah. if the FA have anything about them. Now he did retract that yeah, statement. I can speak from experience and there was a feeling among Arsenal fans, and certainly from Wenger at the time, that the Arsenal don't like it up and thing had become a thing in referees' minds. And I do think it had to some extent, perhaps not as much as Wenger thought. But teams were able to be more physical with Arsenal as time went on. And Wenger claims, no, I've seen this coming for years. We've got the tackle on Diaby a year before that seemingly ends his career. And a year later, you've got one on Aaron Ramsey. So you have the three in three years. Um, James McFadden puts them ahead here. We come back after halftime. Theo scores two. The season, if you want to point at the Eduardo injury, Adeboyor goes clean through in the second half at 2-1 up. It's a 2-on-1 and he's got the most easy of passes to Bentner for a, for a tap-in. He decides, look, everything I touch turns to gold this year. No way am I passing to this guy. Especially they didn't like each other by all the counts, did they? I think, no, they're so. later in the season is when he headbutts him. Yeah. In a 5-1 loss to Spurs, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, he has the chance to square it for a tap-in. Goes himself, misses... Then we've got three minutes of stoppage time with 2-1 up. Now, 
a big narrative after Christmas when we're top of the league has been Arsenal play shit from about New Year's onwards. But rather than the big thing being Arsenal playing shit at the moment, it's, oh my God, Arsenal finally learned how to win ugly. And there's this real thing about that. And so with three minutes left, we're clinging on. And that is starting to be said about Arsenal. You've got to cling on this. It's going to be huge for the title race. A penalty is given. Now, I don't know how many times you rewound this, but I can guarantee it won't have been as much as me uh, this weekend. I don't know how it's a penalty. No, it's a shocker. I don't know how on earth it's a penalty. Um, But there was never any doubt (laughs) in that moment that, I mean, it's not Lehman in goal anymore. It's Manuel Almunia. And you just, I knew what was going to happen. I remember watching it at my dad's and I was really thinking about this season and this is, I think, the first time in my life when I've had a noticeable gap of Arsenal not winning trophies. Like I've had the three years yeah. since 2005 FA Cup final. So I can kind of write off two years at this point. And there was a real moment here where I started to realise what Arsenal could do to me for the rest of my life. Like, (laughs) just the hope of, okay, this might be it. I've had the two years, three years of, is it going to be, no, they're too young. We go again. And then you look at this young team that looks like Wenger may have just got it right with the balance of this team. And it's some of the best football we play in the whole 20 plus years under Wenger. But just in this one moment of this penalty being given the whole thing falls apart. And I've referenced on this podcast so many times before when I backed Peter Wright to beat Van Gerwen in the Premier League final. <laughs> Peter Wright misses six darts at a single target. And after the sixth darts thrown, he just crumbles over on the stage. Like, it's not over. Van Gerwen still has to step up and win the match. But he crumbles over and you just know at that moment, like, this guy's gone. It's like, cooked. it's over. Just, yeah. there, he's just completely broken. And I think that's really what happens here. I mean, Captain William Gallas is caught by the cameras. He has like a tantrum. He goes for a fan, I think. Mm. He has to get held back. And then rather than go down the tunnel, which I don't don't know why he thought this would be a better idea, he walks back out onto the pitch and he just drops to his knees and just cries just on the edge of the area. When you watch back, he's actually not back for the penalty. No, no. He's just at the other end of the pitch because he knows it's the last kick of the game. And he's just sulking already. Making a head of a spectacle yeah. himself. Wenger has to go out and grab him. And Wenger, you can see by that interview, how human he is. And he has to go and calm Galas down. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what would have been said in the dressing room. Um, but that kickstarts four draws in a row that are just costly to the Premier League title. Um, then I think there's one win and then they draw another three, I think. They then take the lead against Chelsea, concede there late on, Drogba does Drogba. And they just win one of the next seven after this drop points to St. Andrews. Now, a big thing with this, and I think we did it, I think it may be even Troy, that when we spoke about this before on the podcast, and he was like, well, look at how many goals Eduardo scored. That isn't the reason. Mm-hmm. You can watch back the commentary of the time, and there was a real feeling that Eduardo, we found something here. This guy has clicked. I think he scores in the four games prior to this and he's got six for the season, which Adebayor's already killing it. He's the he's secondary striker. It, yeah. And 
he scores the goal that against Blackburn, which they called like the beach uh, beach ball goal or something, where he takes it on the chest and he swivels. We don't talk about beach ball goals. No. <laughs> yeah. That monster has already been taken. Um, something else worth pointing out is Van Persie misses over 20 games this season. Of course he does. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, found, he found his fitness and then left us. Yeah. Found but, it for a year. So it wasn't just... Eduardo's gone and they just couldn't compose themselves. I think there was a number of factors in it. One, I don't know how I would react seeing that in person. I don't think I'm that squeamish, but I've not seen someone have their legs snapped right, like, in, front right of, yeah. in front of me. Yeah. I think Fabregas puked on the pitch and I think he may have cried in, in the cry, moment. There's a number of them, yeah. And then it's like, go and carry on the game. Like there were genuinely Danish players that took the Ericsson thing better than some of yeah, our yeah, players yeah, yeah. did yeah. in seeing Eduardo get done like this. Yeah, he scored against Everton, West Ham and Man City. And there's commentary from the Man City game. No, the Everton game. He scores, and I think it's Martin Tyler, and he says, Eduardo scores, of course he does. He doesn't miss. Just okay. as the, the feeling of what's going on at the moment. And then the RVP's already out. Bentner comes in and starts playing regularly. And I will to this day say the man is disrespected so much more than he should be when you talk about shit Premier League strikers yeah I just don't think he was good enough for Arsenal I think he was probably no, an okay he scored, Premier League striker he has, he has three back-to-back last-minute goals in a row this season that are either winners or equalisers and he's at the season after as well I think when Van Persie gets injured again um, oh brilliant we're just seeing it again yeah. in front of our eyes <laughs> that is so bad Jesus, man. Menger was right. I don't... He was as well. I don't think anybody said he's not that type of player either. I don't think anyone even had the nerve to go, you know what, he looks exactly like that type of player. On not he? You want to go in there and see how he's doing now because he's upset. Yeah. There's a lad traumatised in there. And in that moment, is any manager going to go, you know what, fair enough, he is that type of player. (laughs) We've been seeing this coming for a while. You know what, total psycho in training. (laughs) Oh, I've... This is just hurting again because I know I'm about to see that cliche challenge because I remember being fuming with cliche initially and I saw it again. Hang on a minute. Yeah. This isn't even a foul. Uh, Wenger had everyone. That's so bad. <laughs> you can't take any more of the ball if you try. Yeah, that's such a bad penalty decision. I'm trying to see who the ref is. Maybe they're punishing. It's my Dean. Well, there we go then. That, yeah, yeah, it's my Dean. That, oh, I mean, the things I could say about that bloke. Um, an incredible Mike Dean moment. Who is it? He's refing a Chelsea game and he's sending a play Obi McCall against you. He's sending John Obi McCall off as he's putting the card up. Bear in mind, Chelsea are known for surrounding the rest of this. Terry literally tries to put his hand on the card so he can't put it up. Like, what do you think that's going to achieve? <laughs> hey, we're going to talk about dodgy cards when we get onto Derby's in a minute. Uh, so oh, Merseyside Christ. Merseyside Derby. We have an actual attempted murder. The, the, the Eduardo thing. It's so tough because you talk about our season collapsing. We lose less games than anyone this season. We concede less goals than anyone this season. I'd forgotten how long you were at the top of the yeah, table yeah. for and how you did look fairly plain sailing up to this point. I, I sent you, and I, it may have been a bit far, but the, just the title of the video I sent you when I was on the bus home today. And oh, it's, it's called the, title uh, watched, the Season in Which Arsenal Play the Greatest Football in the World. Mm. And some of the football is crazy. It's like... City now is a different system, obviously, 
but you've just got all these like techie players and you've just packed them in the middle of the park and gone, just go out and do what you do. Yeah. It's one touch football with Kleb and Rosicki who stays fit for longer than usual here. Eduardo is very much a Wenger striker of the time. Van Persie shows the quality when he is there. Adebayor starts to take off. Adebayor bangs over 30 goals this season. He's, it, uh, yeah. We very rarely these days do get 30 goal seasons and we've got no. what, for like three, three, four players that have over 30 joke, goals this it? year. Absolutely joke. It is one that I think all Arsenal fans certainly of my age range look back and what we should have won the league that year. Yeah. Yeah, I'd... Like I said, I'd forgotten how much you were up there for. I I don't think the Eduardo injury in itself is what does it. I think Gallas has a, a lot to answer for in terms of that reaction creates yeah. such a bigger thing. I mean, it's the equivalent of right collapsing up on stage. I think... You might lose this, but if you don't collapse on the stage, you maybe still have the pressure on Van Gerwen. But once Gallas does that, it's like, well, their heads are totally gone. Yeah. Even if they weren't, it's then, well, as soon as you... You have to win the next game. If you don't, then it's, well, look, they're, um, they're, they've obviously blown up. And there's history as well. Like, Gallas has already forced his way out of Chelsea by saying, I will score own goals yeah. if you don't let me go. And he forces his way out of Arsenal in the end. There is something with him where, because of this moment, people kind of write him off like he was a shit signing or he wasn't a very good defender for us. He averages about 50 games a season in the three years that he's there. Him and Colo Torre, we have the best home record in the league. Like It's like the the Spurs one where Leicester win the league where just everything is in your favour other than having the top scorer where Adebayor has one goal less. It's It's just insane. Um... It's such a likeable group of players. I mean, Gallas aside at this point, at, at the time, very likeable. You've got that perfect blend. I don't know if it caught you. Um, I don't remember Walcott looking this kind of matured at this stage. And he has quite a significant impact impact for what's a 17, 18-year-old kid at this stage. Yeah, yeah. What's it, what's he? Yeah, he'd be 18, 19, wouldn't he? Yeah. So he's... Uh, yeah, some of his finishes and stuff are really nice. Yeah, 2006, he's 16 when he goes to the World Cup. 16, I thought he was 75. Yeah, I mean... This was just a painful year. This is the same year in oh. which, as I spoke about what you do uh, on the opening day of the season, we are out of our as the goal against you in the Champions League where yeah. Babel just goes down the other end and dives. I mean, referees this year, the agenda against Arsenal... <laughs> Was, we get to the League Cup final where we get dunked on by uh, Drogba. This may be this may be the year in which we're competing for everything with like a month left of the season, and then we go out the out. FA Cup semi. Yes, I think it is. We drop off the top two. <laughs> everything in the space of a it week. Does in the Champions League? Yeah, yeah, it's just killer. Yeah, but there was also this. And that was building up around Arsenal, wasn't it? That did they have the stones to see out yeah. a title race anyway? Now, obviously, with the situation at Birmingham, that either means it's an asterisk, so you can't make the argument, or it's the perfect well, argument for these people. That I say, was, well, I know it's an extreme, but at some adversity, and therefore we can't handle it. I'd say more so. This is almost the first example of it because it's the first time we've got ourselves in the picture, really, in the mm. in a couple of years. But every year after this it's almost like, well, if they couldn't get it done that year, then they ain't getting it done this year. Yeah. And there was a feeling among Arsenal fans, and I imagine you would have had similar in 
the uh, Brendan year was where regardless of how well you're playing, you are kind of going into every game like something bad's going to happen. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's just all going a bit too well. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, they lured me in and then uh, killed and me. Similar to us with the Brendan period, anything that goes wrong will be pinned as a you're weak mentally or whatever like that. Whereas there could be a whole host of other factors, but... Yeah, and something with the stats is that it looks good come the end of the season, but it's almost once the pressure's off and you United start to really drive home where they're going that we kind of start playing properly again because we aren't going into every game. Like if we don't win here, then United are winning the league. There's probably an internal feeling that we aren't winning the league here. So yeah, this is it. If it does end up being a straight race between you and United with Ronaldo, Rooney and Tevez cooking, you probably would bat them down the stretch anyway. Yeah. I mean, even if this all hadn't happened. I think the uh, the interesting, obviously, thing is whether with Arsenal or not, how different Eduardo's career looks if this doesn't happen. I think I'm probably yeah, not... He has hot. it as bad as anyone. Huh? He gets yeah. it as bad as anyone. Yeah. If, if you... Um, I'm probably not as hot on him as you are, but obviously he has a better career than he ends up having. I think my only concern, if you consider, say, like, um, Torres is brought in the same summer, I wasn't looking at Eduardo and going, well, he could have been this guy. I think, but he's probably the rung below, which when you look at the career he has, isn't anywhere near that I think, because of this leg break problem. I think it's because we've got such a small sample size with him that yeah. we have seen just like... And it looked like he was just starting to click. Exactly. early on you'd have gone, well, because I don't think he gets a Prem goal till, is it December? It's, it's then later starts, and then he, he, and then he scores it. like four and six. And he does look clinical when he yeah. plays. So you go... Was this just starting to build into something, or, or was he always going to be that guy that was this? This quite was, good, but not this was still set. at the time where you're trusting Wenger in the transfer market to yeah. who is this guy, yeah. and you can look at the likes of Claire Brzezicki. And Brzezicki was more established, but that kind of player in I think it may be around this time Wenger does the we don't buy superstars, we make them. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And so you do have that trust in him to have gone on and done better. And this, I guess there's less pressure because of Adebayor is doing his thing at the other end as well. But That's true. I don't know. I think it's just a fun what if because the sample size is, is, is yeah, so agreed. small. There can't be many dumber career decisions than Halebs, honestly. I know you. if Barca come calling, you'd probably go, but you've got to know you're not playing. He does. And you could be the main man at Arsenal. Yeah, he does the Alexis um, like I knew within a week, like, this why what have I done he says he called Wenger and says like I made a mistake and Wenger basically tells him well you made the mistake like nice but he doesn't take Fabregas back does he when he's leaving Barca he basically says look you've made your pick I mean it doesn't apply that to Omri maybe such a thing is too proud maybe if Cesc Fabregas wants to come back you take Cesc Fabregas back yeah for sure and it pains every Arsenal fan seeing him then do it for Chelsea but Christ I didn't need a reminder of Mascarano talking himself into a red card against United. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, you pick up in the next couple of years just red cards galore against <laughs> United. That Gerard heat map from about five, six years later is just That was great though. Um, as a side note, is this the best Premier League ball ever? Because if this great, is the year we've got the winter ball is the yellow version of it. The yeah. yellow with the purple. And you've had the total 90 balls for a couple of years yeah. now, but this is like that slight change of it, isn't it? Where it's not just the circles, you've got yeah, the circles and then the one line. Yeah, it probably is the best, isn't it? 
So Alex, your 10th title, was it the toughest? Oh, it was a tough one, all right. You go to the last game with today and obviously you're away from home also, which is more difficult. But um, in fairness, for most of the game we played well. We had some nervous moments, yeah. But, and then the rain come and you see yourself what's going to happen because anything can happen on the rainy surface. But just after half time, I thought we'd start to get a grip here. We missed a few chances, a goalkeeper, two or three great saves. You see yourself, please give us that second goal. And of course, our oldest player, 10 medals today, Ryan Giggs against him. Fantastic. The total race as it was then, so we head into May with three teams, Arsenal, Chelsea and United, who still had the opportunity to capture the league title and I guess embrace the glory that comes with it. Arsenal fall away as the finish line approaches, as we've just covered. United end up pipping Chelsea to their 10th crowning glory on the final day and the Champions League trophy, but that's something for another day. Uh, only four points separate the top three teams in the Premier League. It's called one of the closest Premier League title races of all time, but we both spoke about it yesterday before recording. I don't ever really have the feeling that Chelsea were going to win this. I mean, no. when I look back and I did wonder if it was just because it's from my perspective, but I always remember it being as Arsenal until it wasn't. And then United just really drive home yeah. post-January, uh, post-February, sorry. Chelsea kind of do what they're supposed to do. But after United overtake Arsenal post-Birmingham, there's never once a position where it's not in their hands. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? I, one of those instances where I think your memory actually reflects probably how it was at the time, where it was, as soon as Arsenal had seemingly fucked it, United were going, well, we're not letting this up. And and they were they were the best team, weren't they? It's, it's a great late charge from Chelsea, actually, when you consider they're not really that close to it for a large period of the season, and then they, they hit a run. But it is, it's a... I'd probably compare it to the following year where Liverpool finished second, where I've referred to it as sort of a, a title chase rather than a title race. Now, that's a bit disrespectful to Chelsea when you consider they do take it to the final game. And it, it could have happened, but again, it, take it to the final game and hoping Man United don't beat Wigan is a tough yeah. so Well, you have this moment, don't you, where United play Chelsea at Stamford Bridge and Michael Ballack smashes in a penalty from the He's got some big goals for them in this run. Yeah, right at the end of the game. And they kind of hope, I guess, like the Birmingham to Arsenal, that this destabilises United and they kind of trip up and Chelsea can then fire home. But it didn't quite affect United in the way that Chelsea had hoped. And I guess the fact that they've got multiple players who have multiple league titles at that point really does help in getting them over the line. You think they, you consider, and I was saying this about to people, you know, there was this famous thing, wasn't there, with Liverpool fans always going to go, this is our year. And we obviously signed Torres this summer, so there's some a buoyant atmosphere. But, you know, bear in mind they've already won the league, signed, spent over 50 million this summer. They get Hargreaves, who was seen as yeah. a player, Nani and Anderson, who were seen as next big things, Tevez. So the team that's already the best has just got better. And he's already a mile ahead of Liverpool, so you're going to be ahead of the rest of the league. And I think there's still that feeling of that this is the best team in the league. They've got world-class talents. I mean, Tevez is the third best striker he's seen as, he's seen as the third best attacking yeah. option. I mean, that's scary. Yeah, towards the end of this year and then going into the next year is the best football I've seen United play. 
yeah. Just in terms of their attack, they they play us in the Champions League that breakaway no, semi-final yeah, the year later and they'd had the Sky advert where they take the United players out of it and you can just see the ball pinging. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the, the perfect advert for it, isn't it? They, yeah, I saw a comparison and there was a game in March where United go 2-1 down on a rainy day at the Riverside. <laughs> um, Alfonso Alves actually scores both of these, which we'll get into. Um, Andy Gray on commentary says it's the stuff of champions when Rooney steals a point late on. And I guess if you look at That's how Arsenal reacted to adversity and how United did, yeah. and they go back and they win the week later, Painfully cliche, but also true. Yeah. Unfortunately, spirit of champion stuff. But the other thing with that is, and I've seen it from our fans' perspective, you know, they'll go, well, if we did the same thing, it's they were lucky or whatever. It's like, yeah, but this team has won league titles, so they can say it's spirit of champions because the proof's in the pudding. Whereas maybe we are getting lucky when yeah, we do the it. The interview after, Fergie says, like, look, you come here on a rainy day, you never know what's going to happen. What <laughs> <laughs> the riverside is just, you better not go there when it's raining. And little do we know what is to come with Stoke. We don't know Stoke is going to become its whole thing. It's in Chelsea linked seriously with Serge Nabry, which is quite depressing. That's very, that'd after, be a very Chelsea song. I've just mentioned Fabregas to Chelsea. <laughs> that wasn't bad enough. Chelsea just continue ruining your life. Yeah. Um, this title race then, so it's this is Giggs's tenth. Is it, is it Giggs's tenth, or have I made that? Up? It's United's tenth. Is Giggs's seventh? Maybe they do a big thing after the game in which Rooney is saying that he's only just won his second, and that's a big thing. There. Yeah, um, and Giggs actually gets the second goal, doesn't he? Just to really uh, stamp things home. As commentators pointed out, it had to be him. Yeah, of course. Feel good story, Ryan Giggs. It's probably a season. When you look at it on paper, all of the top three just look very consistent in in just not losing. Yeah. Yeah. And United ultimately just win more of those potential draws than than the other two do because they lose more games than both Chelsea and Arsenal. They concede more than Chelsea and Arsenal. Rough start to the season for him as well, wasn't it? Yeah, they, they don't win playing, for the first month. Playing catch up, but very much again. Once he, Fergie recorded the business end, and once they do get in the business end, they, they were the best. Time. It's a good time for English football as well. When you consider, obviously, we've got three of the four Champions League finalists, yeah, uh, semi finalists at this point. We've got to it the year prior. You got to it the year before that. The year before that is Istanbul. So this is just before, obviously, Messi and Barca will come and yeah. rip the soul out of us. So we're still fancying ourselves quite a bit at this point. You can maybe see how much of a breeze some previous years have been, or even just that there hasn't been a title race when you look at Jose's first year in England and the fact they just cruise it and then the year before United just go and cruise it. And Fergie's, when he's interviewed after, they said, this has got to be one of the toughest leagues that you've ever won. And he's like, oh yeah, I mean, it was tough, Chelsea, good side, and not much more to it than that. But it looks more like relief, like we don't want to lose it from here than we've really had to battle back and we can't be dropping points when they're picking up. And At one point in his interview, he goes to uh, Shreve's, what would you do without us? It's like, we'd have a fucking great time, Alex. That's what we would do. <laughs> yeah. Why couldn't you have left an O2 and got Sven in? Yeah, why couldn't you have done it? What would have it would have there? been, obviously, it couldn't have happened because of the way things went. It would have been great to see Jose and Fergie in that title race going head to head. That would have just been an extra element to it that obviously Avram Grant doesn't quite give you. 
Yeah, because a year a year later is is it a year later when he psychs out Rafa? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I know because I sent you uh, the thing. Well, I I wondered which year it was. Soccer AM when Kid British come on and do an end of season rap. <laughs> yeah, and they got a thing in there about uh, Fergie psyching out Rafa. So, you know, our results still were. We're actually good after that, but yeah, the facts thing was weird. <laughs> this is a bad draw for you here as well against Liverpool because we were rotating at this stage. That's why Crouch is getting a start. Well, I think Bentner scores in this game as well. That's Damien Duplessis playing there because we weren't playing Stephen Gerrard. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, I, watch, I watched this um, with three Liverpool fans from the school I was at before... I met you, and yeah. so you can imagine some of the people I was, I was watching this with. Is it Bentner and Crouch or is it Bentner and Voronin? There's a, there's a Bentner and Crouch, yeah. Yeah, I think the year later is Bentner and Voronin both score. Christ. So some of these <laughs> some of these games are very low quality. Being worse for Martin Yol on his side. Paddy Bayon! Oh. Brilliant! Absolutely brilliant! Well, that is top draw. It really is. Oh, his first touch sets it up nicely for him. He just loops up in the air and he thinks, why not? And he gets reward because that just crashes into the top corner. Derbies then are obviously one of, well, one of the biggest games of the season or two of the biggest games of the season for any fan. And we do have a number of good ones here. If we start with the North London derbies, just to kind of pick me up after uh, hearing about Eduardo. The game at White Hart Lane at the start of the season, I think it's within a month. Arsenal win 3-1. Now, commentary talk about Bale being a free-kick specialist, even at 18, just as he puts one in the bottom corner. <laughs> so commentators curse on our part there. But Berbatov then rounds Armunia outside of the area and he just dilly-dallies on it in true Berbatov fashion. <sighs> Torre is able to get back and stop them going 2-0 up. And then... It's just a masterclass, and I think commentary describe it as such. Fabregas whips it in, Adebayor header just to continue his streak. Fabregas then just from about 30 yards, goes, well, fuck it, why not? And I don't know who it is on commentary, but they're very excited this game. Yeah, Kamek is not great, is it? No, and he's going, ah! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> for loving it. And then, I mean, you, you get what I think is the goal of the season. Yeah, yeah. Better than the Ronaldo free kick is... Uh, Gets fizzed into Adebayor's feet, flicks it up, volley. And I wrote down, are you surprised we don't get more goals like that? When you think of the speed in which passes are played here, when you look at the technical ability of the strikers we've got in the league, just kind of flicking it up and volleying it. I can think of two examples, and it's Henri does it against United and Adebayor against Spurs. Now, I'm sure there are other ones, but not nearly as much as... I would expect when it seemed like it would be a very effective way. Yeah, the thing is, though, with, with both of them, I mean, it's still obviously a, a very hard technique even for these guys, but also with both of those, it's a ball being fizzed in at kind of a bit of an awkward height for him, and his whole body is going the one way, he flicks it the other to volley it, and obviously sends the defender that way as well. There's just not that many option, opportunities for that in a game. There's not that often that that's going to happen. Or even if you're just, your touch is just slightly off, so you're never going to be able to do the volley. It's, it's ridiculously hard. That Adebayo one is insane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I remember the time thinking this probably isn't getting the props it's due. No. Um, 
because it's well, I didn't think as good as Adebayor is. Didn't really know that he had that in his locker. Well, there, there's a thing with him, and more so now because of like the tour he does afterwards. Like he's got this forgetful spell at Real Madrid, City. He's largely just mentioned for the one celebration against Arsenal. Well, he keeps doing that thing, doesn't he, of just having one good season. That's yeah. all he can do. But he he's has a couple here well, at Arsenal. Arsenal. He's great. Yeah. Like, a year later, we play Villarreal. And it's one of my favourite Arsenal goals at the time. A ball gets floated in and he takes it on his chest and he spins and volleys it again. Marcos Senna scores from range in the first <laughs> leg just to kind of pinpoint where that is. But, yeah... 30 goals this year just in the Premier League. He, he He's just insane. And I mean, these were the good times where Spurs are decent enough that it's a good win, but they're also bad enough that we're going in. It's more routine than <laughs> than it goes on to be now um, where we largely just split the home and away. I think that's uh, largely to do with your decline rather than Spurs'. Uh... Yeah. Oh, I mean, the money they're pumping in, how can you keep up? Well, yeah. Um, at the Emirates, Adeboyle scores again. Berbatov scores a nice goal, actually, into the roof of the net. Robbie Keane misses a penalty. Yeah, blimey. And so they do have multiple chances in these two games. And I guess you would say Spursy at the time, they squander them. And uh, super sub Bentner comes on and scores six seconds after and gets the fastest goal in the history of being a substitute in the Premier League. Nice. So... Good year for us in that sense. Well, there you go then. Not, <laughs> no total loss. Well, I mean, we're going to talk about City United and look, I think there's a part of the City fans that look, oh, we probably had a better season than that. Yeah. <laughs> At this time, doing a double yeah. over United was their trophy, yeah. Everton-Liverpool. Now, the game at Goodison, as soon as I heard it mentioned on the programme, I was, okay, I see, I recall something here. And then seeing it was like, Jesus, it's like the referees thought the team in red were united in the decisions. Um, most notorious with Mark Clattenburg having a howler. Now, the News of the World on Sunday, uh, their headline was Clat the Pratt in, <laughs> in just showing you how creative things were there. You've got quite a nice finish for a Sammy Hoopier own goal oh, to start things off here if you want to have a look at the highlights. Then... Gerard gets borderline fouled by Hibbert. Yes. But that's not really the con- the controversy. Is one, is it inside the box? It does look like it is. Then Clattenburg gets a yellow card out. Gerard just kind of has a word as he walks past him. He's going to get the ball and he's going, well, I'm... He's basically obviously gone, well, I'm in on goal, so that's a red, isn't it? And, and just Clattenburg go- just goes, well, you know what? You're probably right. <laughs> <That's> good point. <laughs> <laughs> he puts the card away, gets the red out. David Moyes says it's the angriest he's ever been on the touchline. That, oh, I can't tell you how much I love that. <laughs> that was such a sensational moment. But it's this like, Jedi mind trick of, <laughs> right, you're getting a red up. Because it's so sly as well, isn't it? Because he, he just says it almost in passing. And because it, cause he's literally going past it to go yeah. get the ball. So as he's doing, well, obviously I'm going <laughs> to score. You can see literally Clattenburg goes, you've got to change my mind, haven't I? But then it's like, on top of that, Clattenburg then... Dirk Coit jumps in from about six feet away, both feet in the air on Phil Neville. The whole crowd is going mental and he goes, don't you be doing that again. It's and he gives him a booking. As bad an attempt at a tackle as you will ever see. As, if he does, if he connects, that's a death. Um, um, We're forgetting about the Eduardo one because we're going, yeah. wow, someone's just been killed on the pitch here. And then in stoppage time, 
Steve Finnan just hoists down a no, sorry, before that you go 2-1 up because there's another penalty. Phil Neville won to save. <laughs> I, I wish we had more of that defenders handballing it on the line. He took a chance. He said, you know what, we'll back him to miss yeah. the penalty. Is there any reason Dirk Coit's taking penalties over Gerrard in this game? There's a reason Dirk, Dirk Coit's playing. It's because Rafa has taken off Gerrard for Lucas Lever. When yeah, we're still chasing yeah, the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, this guy has lost the plot. Oh, I that I'll be honest. As well. <laughs> I think that is probably the moment where maybe we lose Rafa forever because his ego must go through the roof <laughs> because we're all going, what are you doing taking Gerrard off? Lucas comes on and scores. So you're like, well, okay, then. Well, Carragher comes over to Gerrard, doesn't he? Like, I don't have a clue what he's doing either. Yeah, yeah we're all losing off fucking like, Mike Torres isn't playing. So we're just, what are we doing? And then, so you're 2-1 up and then Carragher drags down Lescott in stoppage time and there's no penalty given. And there is one before where Finnan drags down Lescott. Yeah. And Moyes is just beside himself. Yeah, he's he's got every right to be. <laughs> he looks significantly older by the end of the game. <laughs> his, his hair is slightly less red, slightly more grey. I mean, the the Carragher one is is the worst of the lot. Pretty much as blatant a drag as you're going to get. The obviously the only one, the Phil Neville one, he can have no arguments with. Other than that, he's been done on all of the decisions. He's been absolutely done. Yeah, that that Gerard one. Now that I've seen it again, I both loved and hated it at the same time <laughs> because. Anytime a referee looks as foolish as that, as long as it's not hurting us, yeah. I'd rather they get shown up for the incompetent yes. clowns that they are. And at the time, we've got him, Mike Dean, Howard Webb. We're considered to have some of the best officials in the world by everyone, probably outside of Wenger in the country, who's still saying... Yeah, Klattenberg and Webb are seen as yeah. the, the gold standards. Wenger at this point has said they won't be going to heaven. So he <laughs> he's really put his marker down at this stage. But oh, it's just insane. I mean, you get the derby then at Anfield where you get a scruffy Torres goal and that's enough and not a lot. By contrast, hard to, hard to match that one. Yeah, I, I couldn't see who the ref was. Like I don't know if they've put Clattenburg on it again, which would be incredible sure from the FA. Not. Yeah. Um, we did have a phase a couple of years back where t- fans would just start petitions to not be refereed by certain refs yeah. and it would work. Like we didn't have Mike Dean for a while and uh, Chelsea fans tried it with um, Anthony, Taylor. Anthony Taylor. Yeah. But there's just, uh, it feels so backward from the fans because you probably want him again because he's going to be, he can't go against you twice. You think that w- Mike Dean, that doesn't work. <laughs> with Mike Dean, nothing works. No, no. He's above all that. No, my biggest fear at the end of um, last season was that Mike Dean's last game was going to be us needing to win for top four. Yeah. And he was just going to have some fuckery that was just going to just ruin us. He's going, I'm going out for bang. So maybe this side knew that. And that's why that's why we lost. So that's why we don't need that stress. So we'll just get out of it already. Uh, Sunderland, Newcastle. Just, if you thought the foul from... Dirk Coitsbad on Phil Neville. There's one in the draw they have 
at uh, the Stadium of Light where Joey Barton gets away with like a jumping stomp to the crotch on Dixon Atuhu. It's from so far away that it's like you definitely saw what you were doing and it studs like down in the motion. Why, if there's ever someone who wasn't that type of player, (laughs) come on, give him a break. That conspiracy theory recently, the fact, is it Rooney's had to come out and be like, I don't know why people are saying that no, Rooney was saying they should look into it. The fact that Barton was sent off in the QPR game and that's why they didn't have it. And yeah, some I don't QPR, think Joey did much help for the conspiracy. No, some QPR by. player came out and I can't think who it was. But he pointed out, we all dropped to our knees after that goal goes in. We didn't want them to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you've got... Uh, so Higginbottom and Milner score there. At... St. James's Park, you get two goals for Michael Owen and one of the few good things he did do for Newcastle. Now, the Manchester derbies this time around, phenomenal. We get it right at the end of the first month Sven has in charge and we are going to speak a bit more about Man City, but as you said, Giovanni looks up, Darius Vassell's not there and he goes, oh, fuck it then. <laughs> oh, I'll hear it then. If Darius isn't an option. And he has a moment where he's celebrating and then he kind of realises the goal he's just scored and then the celebration gets ramped up. And then, I mean, I don't know if this is out of order to say or not. Oh, God. The second game they have between them is at Old Trafford and it's on a remembrance for the Munich disaster. The tribute they have that took up about 10 minutes of Premier League years you got to win after you've been doing this. <laughs> they, they wear the special shirts, don't they? They don't have their names on the back and it's... Um, Which is a cool sort of touch. They have to, The fact they have to do it again, don't they? Later down the line, just so United can get a win in doing this. I think it may be the Rooney overhead kit game. I think they do something pre-game with different shirts. Right. They definitely do it again. But Darius Vassell scores after a nice rebound on, on a counter... Benjani from a Petrov cross scores on his debut. That is of its time. That yeah, is. and they're in dreamland here and then, uh, I mean, Carrick scores late. I think the incredible thing with it, though, with the United have actually got some like old tops which look kind of cool. City just have like a training top. They've just got the badge in the <laughs> yeah. middle with nothing else. It's like, you could have made some effort. Lads. And they've obviously ended up winning. Yeah. And this was one of the few remaining times where City felt like an actual underdog going into these games so you could really get behind them now it's obviously people probably still want to yeah. be United <laughs> yeah. but it's not really an underdog thing though. well pretty much everyone other than you I, I say know. you as a Liverpool I fan. don't know what I want with that <laughs> game now well you kind of the worst like, for you and I guess for all of us in particular is when City do the we've scored now we don't need to be too nasty we know we're better than them yeah. so let's just pass it around for the yeah. next 70 um, but yeah, those were the highlights in terms of Derby games that season. For me, the Adeboyle goal, but in terms of Derby moments, Gerard to Clattenburg, iconic. That, that, that Merseyside Derby was just <laughs> incredible. <laughs> Here's Murphy. To camera. Here's Diamanski camera. He's got sight of Joe Hart. Oh, and he scored a wonderful, wonderful goal for Fulham. And they're going to take all three points. And the great escape for Roy Hodgson's Fulham is definitely on. Fulham's great escape, arguably 
the greatest escape in Premier League history, or certainly in the conversation. Now, despite a summer window for Fulham, in which they saw, I guess, future fan favourites in Paul Koncheski, Stephen Davis, Danny Murphy come in on a season-long loan, they find themselves just banging trouble early on in uh, this campaign. They've got the Northern Ireland national team manager, Laurie Sanchez, as we mentioned earlier. I mean, he just parted the club really before things got going, but they were bad enough that they had to look to super Roy Hodgson. Now, by the time the January transfer window comes in, they'd only recorded two wins from their first 22 league games. And they sign off from Laurie with a 5-1 thrashing away at Spurs on Boxing Day, which is, you don't need that just after Christmas. Hodgson comes in and it's being called an impossible task to keep them in the league. I guess Derby do them a favour like they do plenty of other clubs this time around, Reading in particular, I think. No one was done better than them because of how bad Derby were. But Fulham were 19th in the league. It takes Roy a month to get his first point. Blimey. And they get that against Bolton. Well, they then beat Villa and you think maybe he's onto something. But then it's another month before they get another point and they're struggling. You get to the 26th of April and they have Man City. They've got three games left of the season. If they lose this, they're relegated. They're 2-0 down at halftime. Stephen Ireland has scored. A post-Portsmouth Benjani has put them in, I guess, comfortable position 2-0 up against Fulham. No one will say what Roy Hodgson said in the dressing room. I don't know <laughs> if even he knows what he said. What dark arts was he doing <laughs> in that dressing room? But he said something that clearly kicked everyone into gear, particularly Kamara and Danny Murphy. As Fulham, I guess you come out swinging. You've got nothing to lose at this stage. Yep. 20 minutes to play, Kamara pulls one back. They then get a penalty only minutes later, which Danny Murphy converts. And Roy, which is very Roy, says in his interview after, I'm thinking a draw is a good result. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. He said a draw was a good result, but a win was much better. This bloke. Stoppage time. The ball gets played forward. And Kamara just smashes it past Joe Hart at his near post. That's a great player of the time period, Diamancy Kamara. Yeah. With his little celebration. Well, they go mental, obviously. And then they do realise, okay, we do still have to win our other games. This is just a start, yeah. So... They then go to face Birmingham City, decent team to be facing next. They win 2-0, um, which was very important because it put Birmingham in the relegation zone. They weren't in there at this stage. Oh, that's the McLeish effect. And it saw Fulham climb out the bottom three for the first time. Fulham then have to win their final game of the season away at Fratton Park. And we're going to speak about this Portsmouth side. Mm. 75 minutes played very tense and then Danny Murphy latches onto a Jimmy Bullard free kick and that sends Reading and Birmingham packing into the championship alongside Derby so good it's one of the best escapes I liked that Fulham team I thought Bullard and Murphy's a nice little double act in midfield uh I thought the team was fundamentally more likeable than like Birmingham or Reading as well definitely Birmingham I should have mentioned earlier that Birmingham come back to I mean, the do us over again in the League Cup final <laughs> ah, years later. Yeah, you've got a checkered history with Birmingham. The uh, 
Yeah, I, I like this Fulham team. Sean hated this Fulham team. Get on record, he hated them. But I like them. I love that comeback. It adds something I, more to it, doesn't it? That they reached the final of the Europa League the following season. He does do a great job, doesn't he? There's no getting around it. Roy does do a great job there. The, um, the situation with... I'm assuming it's the following year after that, isn't it? I'm assuming they get into the European spots and then... What are you Down hell, yeah. The, um, the crazy, yeah, the crazy thing with Roy, obviously, he's kind of been... We're watching the younger game here. 3-0. Um, the thing with Roy, obviously, he's been somewhat in the wilderness and he's obviously been in Scandinavia or whatever. And it's kind of, doesn't matter how well you do out there, once you come out, it's going to be right. We're <laughs> going to see what you're about. If he doesn't keep him up, we're just going to say, well, he's just can't do it here. The fact that he does and then has this whole chapter of his career is is unbelievable. Well, I, mean, I think probably the only escape act up there with this, obviously Wigan have a few in a row at one point. I think Sunderland have a few. I think they'd both be in a good argument. I do you remember that Wigan one when they beat, like I think it was like United, Chelsea. Yeah, you know, yeah. That probably maybe gets the nod. But they this come back is, from two down to beat us. Yeah, but uh, this is great. What well, just uh, so Dempsey's the top scorer for the season. They said Paul Dempsey then, which would have been something very <laughs> different. Um, other recognisable names on their squad list: Casey Keller. Casey Keller. They've got four Americans in there: Carlos Bocanegra, Alexi Smirtin, David Healy, Eric Nevland. Fly me. Uh, Paul Stalteri on loan from Spurs. Uh, Brian McBride. I was about to say, did they start Brian McBride? Yeah. Jesus. Jimmy Bullard, uh, Antti Niemi. They bring in Breed Hangeland in January, which is uh, a change as well. They've got Chris Baird in there. Bloody hell. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you said about Roy there. He's probably being written off in the same way that I mean, we went over the names that have been listed off earlier. I mean, is his career as bad as um, Laurie Sanchez if they go down here? Oh, God. You're worried, aren't you? They might be going for the same jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, Roy probably goes back to doing what he was doing, doesn't he? Which is uh, being a good manager, but just probably not getting the uh, the credit you're due. So, if I offer you now, because you said you do like this Fulham team, they go down, but he doesn't take over at Liverpool. <laughs> I take the deal. The problem is, the way the club was at that point, we just got some other poor soul in. Allardyce. Yeah. <laughs> you the get club- Laurie Sanchez in. <laughs> People say, you know what? He wasn't that bad when we look at what Roy did. Well, he was on the record around this sort of time saying Liverpool aren't a big club anymore. Because I remember thinking, yeah, you got your karma because you got some- <laughs> a ridiculous bit of pettiness on my part. Somebody had the audacity to suggest... But when I say that about someone like Phil Brown, it's out of order. Yeah, but I, I kind of got over it with Laurie Sanchez, but you haven't with Phil <laughs> no, Brown. I haven't, no. Um, I mean, it is mental when... I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a bigger fan of Roy as there is. Look, if you tell me now, Gareth, we're getting rid of him, Roy's coming in, I'd give us more of a chance at the Euro. <laughs> For God's sake. give us more of a chance at the World Cup. <laughs> But unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Um, oh, he would have learned his lesson. Kane wouldn't be on corners again. <laughs> and we now know that was Gary Neville's fault. <laughs> yeah. So Gary Neville was holding Roy back. Gary Neville had undue influence in that case then. <laughs> well, yeah, because Wilshire says around that time that Gary Neville was showing him clips of Perlo and saying going into the Euros that he was going to be playing that role for England. A role that he's never done in his life. Yeah. He's a little guy. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. Roy, I said that the Steve Bruce interview made me happy. I'm happy when Roy's happy. Uh, I think this is the best best job he does as well. I think if you look at his spell at Fulham, is really unbelievable when you look at what he had to work with. So he deserves all the credit for that, just because it kind of went wrong at England and obviously was never really <laughs> got going at Liverpool. This is probably the best fit for him, I think, Fulham. Well, it ages badly in my um, Roy fandom that I was wearing an Atletico shirt for the... Uh, UEFA Cup final they had with Diego Forlan on the back. Didn't have a Fulham shirt. Yeah, strange to that. Did did everyone just move from Charlton to Fulham as like a second team? Was that just a transition everyone did? <laughs> yeah, just just an easy, uh, you know, stay in London. No one was prepared to follow Charlton down. Like nobody liked them that much. <laughs> yeah, no one was bleeding for the club. No, and I was bleeding for Luke Young at the time. <laughs> But good old Roy, keeping him up. Now here's Steven Gerrard, Torres has continued his run. He's onside, Fernando Torres! Two goals in two minutes. And one of them just had to come from Fernando Torres. Gerrard and Torres, the two men who so often have broken sides down from a Liverpool perspective. And all of a sudden... Newcastle have to find two goals at Anfield just to get a point. Steven Gerrard, Fernando Torres, only one destination for this. Back of the net. We've mentioned several already, but we do have just some exciting new players or old players moving around in the league coming into this season. We've referenced Mark Viduca at Newcastle, seven goals in 28 games. Afonso Elves at Borough comes in in January. Now, this guy, what is, is a modern comparison we could make? Diego Costa light, maybe, in just the kind of physicality that he had. Mm, no. He looked a bit more technical when yeah, I was uh, yeah, more, watching back. I more mean, technical. You've not, not seen yet. my comparison for Rocket Santa Cruz yet. Um, <laughs> I watched a 10-minute compilation of him on my bus journey home today. Christ. Just his career from start to finish. Fun player. I, looking back, I don't really know how Borough got him. Yeah, so he was getting linked with obviously a lot of clubs for big money. He's playing at, I want to say, here in Veen before that was it. And his goals record was like basically a goal a game. It was he scored seven in one game. Yeah, so maybe slightly later. The, uh, so they thought they were getting some more money. Really, I think his the showing he gives here and that 8-1 win against City on the last game, maybe the worst thing that could have happened to Borough because they started thinking, well, we're okay and you're not okay. You're absolutely not okay. You've got Jeremy Alley out of the air playing. <laughs> That's not a good sign. He assists his first goal. Yeah. And, but they've basically lost Yakubu and Faduka this year and not really replaced them because Alves isn't that guy as it turns out. Tunchai is quite a good player but probably isn't going to score the goals as ever two will. And as I said, Ali Adier is Ali Adier. Well, Afonso Alves effectively says that he just gets bored at Borough. <laughs> like, he just doesn't like it. Like, he has... I can once, that. I guess once things aren't going as swimmingly as they initially were, he perhaps has more time to take stock and realise that they've got banners of him around the stadium after about two games. Well, saying our goal machine, shoes, Yeah, you? our goal machine and all this and... 
very good. I mean, I forgot that they also signed Mino at the start of this year, for God's sake. <laughs> those fans, you've watched Yakubu and Viduka go and you get a Mido in. You look at those goals against United and he does look like a very tidy player. You can see, as you said, why you'd get excited that quick. I guess the thing when you do have a player that's quite clearly better is you either need to maximise and just sell when the stock yeah. is at its highest or you say, right, we're going to take this as an opportunity to move forward as a team and you invest while you have that guy there. And they didn't, yeah. And they just kind of do neither. And look, Middlesbrough across this season pick up a fair amount of points from teams they shouldn't be picking up points against. I said they beat Arsenal, uh, they draw with Chelsea, uh, they draw United. Yep. But that only lasts so long. So. That runs out, doesn't it? Yeah. They get relegated the following year. And Alves basically shitting out. It's probably largely to do with that because, as I said, they've not replaced the quality they've no. had with anyone else, really. Now, Rocky Santa Cruz at Blackburn comes in. I think he's the fourth highest scorer in the league. You've got Ronaldo, then Adebayor, and then I think he's tied with Torres, or Torres is tied with Adebayor, and then afterwards yeah Christ. and afterwards you have Rocky Santa Cruz it's it's a hell of a debut season from him <laughs> pretty much the only season like this in his career <laughs> as it turns out what he the range of goals that he has is phenomenal scores a lot with his head for someone who isn't that big he's a decent height but not the biggest no, physical he's yeah not, but good, not looking good technically as well even though he's taller and who would you compare him to in this day and age? Because I've got statistically who he compares best to. And I saw a suggestion earlier that probably feels a better fit. Mm, good question. Do you mean to tell you the fits that... So statistically, his game actually compares with Aguero in okay, terms of the, t- the touches he takes, the way he scores his goals, his uh, kind of the heat maps and things. The suggestion I saw was Raul Jimenez in the Premier League. Yeah, I don't hate that. Today. Yeah, yeah. Just very much looks like a player that was too good for Blackburn, but kind of levelled out. They have a fun team at this at this stage as yeah. well. Obviously, two guy hitting the occasional banger. Yeah, this at this time you've got Brad Freeling, Gold, David Bentley, Gamps Pedersen, uh, Chris Samba at the back. Yeah forever linked with that big move where it was being judged on if Wenger had changed his philosophy as to whether he was going to buy Chris Samba like, yeah. that was just yeah. seen as Wenger like ripping it up like Look, I'm on board I'm moving with the time between Samba and uh, Hangerland you're yeah. just like this is mad I mean QPR I guess show why nobody was buying this guy. yes um, of course they took the bait yeah well this this is a fun this is a fun year for strikers and actually going into next season in the league it looks like we've got kind of a rejuvenation of the bad boy strikers at each team because yeah 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 Santa Cruz in this season just looks like a gunman he's getting linked with the big moves as well and he's obviously played with some pedigree before like he's played at Bayern Munich yeah I think there was probably a feeling that um, you know already at this point he'd had a couple of injuries and that sort of curtailed his career a little bit hence he's ended up at Blackburn and obviously that and inconsistency ends up getting him again, doesn't it? Well, you have that with these clubs and you see it. I mean, 
Arsenal really had their best success doing this is you look at the guy that appear to be like somewhat broken goods, which feels harsh at another club. No, it's true. And it's how Arsenal got Burkamp, it's how they got Henri, it's how they got Overmars. And you essentially, it's the thing we always reference with the girl that sees this bloke that's cheated on every single person that they've been with because, you know, I could be the one to actually change to me. In this case, they actually do. Yeah. In the case of Burkham and Omri, less so with Santa Cruz, he kind of was. For a while, it looks like it. I mean, they clearly sport him early. He he thought, (laughs) I've got a good life at home here. Why do I need to mess around? Well, I mean, they certainly spoiled Benny McCarthy. (laughs) There was a man that enjoyed the life. But, yeah, fun fun guy to watch. If you go, if you go back and watch a comp of, um, like any of the players are in around this time, he's got a good highlight reel to look back yeah. on. Yeah, they again, they were a team with some fun players and Mark Hughes was doing a really good job at this point. Yeah, 23 goals in a debut season is like... In a team that isn't a top team as well. That's If Haaland good. scores 23 goals in the league for City next year, that will be called a good season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for and sure. so like scoring that at Blackburn, fair play. Yeah, probably in a way when you're in it, you probably don't acknowledge how good that is I yeah. think, at the time. I don't, and probably because Ronaldo's doing what he's doing and Torres is stealing yeah. a lot of headlines other by all's just coming through, then you probably don't get the full attention no. that you, maybe you should. We we referenced Hargreaves and Tevez already, those who are more known quantities. Nani comes in at United and his first real thing that kind of follows him for a while is shaking this... I don't want to be Ronaldo tag that he somewhat leans into, even like the stance he has on free kicks, um, mm. the way that he carries himself. And he looks almost like the Ronaldo the first signed in his theatrics, which he's very criticised for. But in a way that some of these players are spoken down on now, and I think of someone like Anderson at United, who's a better player than he would have credit for when people talk about him now. Yeah. Nani is another one who is going to be spoken down on when people look back at this United side because of the level of talent. But, I mean, he's the guy that gets them out of the rut when they've not won a game with the banger he scores at Spurs. Yeah, some of the goals he scores in this year are a joke. He basically is guilty of not being Ronaldo. He's a good... And because he's... The way he goes up because it's United, he's hated, which is kind of because he's a fun player. When you watch, he's a really fun player to watch, but... He's had a longevity in his career as well. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, had, he's had a good career, just not been, like I said, just not been Ronaldo. He's what most flashy wingers are being consistent I think it's probably a move that doesn't work if he signs for Arsenal at the time if he signs for Liverpool at the time in that he probably does need the players he has around him to get away with the theatrics um, to get away with some of the tantrums and things like that and so you can get by on having his brilliance when he does turn up and he does turn up more often than not here and look adapting to the league this being your first season fair play because he's a weedy guy yeah, I mean, I mean, for a young player coming in like this, you'd say this is an ideal first season, actually. Yeah. It gives you flashes of what you can see. Isn't that good that you're thinking, well, I'm going to have to drop one of Rooney, yeah. Ronaldo or Tevez. You're never having that debate. So he's, as a, if you consider that as your sort of supplementary attacking player, that's pretty yeah. unbelievable. His issue might be, in fact, when he does try to take on more responsibility that, yeah, especially when Ronaldo leaves and it's very much is, okay, I'm going to be your Ronaldo <laughs> Because I mean, yeah, and he even has the same haircut as Ronaldo this year. And he's like, what are you doing? Yeah, I always thought that was... Did the Ronaldo comparisons help him in the... Well, that got maybe helped get you the move. But also, I Once thought he... There. I thought he never 
tried that hard to get away from it. I think he was quite happy to be compared to him. I thought that's a little bit weird. Yeah. Get a buzz cut and like yeah. watching Kitchen Nightmares once and Gordon Ramsay has someone on the chopping block. Uh, Hell's Kitchen, sorry. And he just makes fun of his ponytail and he's like, you know what, how I can prove him wrong? I'm going to go back and shave my head <laughs> and that's going to show him that I can cook. And like, I feel like if Nanny had just gone back and shaved his head, Beckham, by the way, has reasons to have issues because some of the hair, some of the hairstyles that were around at United after he left, he had no right to have an issue with this. Yeah, true. Ronaldo gelling his down. Beckham, the mohawk, far better. I wonder what he'd have said to Gallas with his with his mohawk because that wasn't quite the same as Beckham's. Oh, what was he doing? Um, Flora Maluda and Anelka come in at Chelsea. I mean, Maluda has a better season than Anelka this time around. Ronaldo just, uh, not Ronaldo, Anelka just bangs, what, two years later when Chelsea just go nuts and win the league? Yeah, it's weird because I didn't, when you said the numbers and Alka hits and shit, I was surprised. It felt like he was just a decent yeah, sign yeah. from the jump for Chelsea. Probably one of them where he scored early and then... Yeah, yeah. And he obviously had done well at Bolton prior to this, so maybe that's a hangover from that. I do remember those conversations as to how him and Drogba would fit when it came back. Did they get money for him, Bolton, or was he on like a one-year deal? No, they got money for him, yeah. So probably yeah. what, Blackburn and Middlesbrough, and <laughs> that should have done. The crazy thing at the time was that I remember Allardyce got asked if Anelka was a gamble when he signed for Bolton. And I think he says at the time, like, this is probably the least gamble I've ever taken on a signing. That ended up being, obviously, aged pretty well. Yeah, scored against us and then did his little, I was going to say, handy celebration. He do, can't be doing that. A little handy. <laughs> um, yeah, you bring in Torres, Babel and Skirtle. I mean, one more than the others. Much, is Skirtle arguably the most successful of those signings? No, you can't have him better than Torres. We um, we signed him in the January as well, and he's seen as I think a young, uh, a young signing who's going to come through. So he's he's not yet that prominent. Uh, yeah, even I know Torres is, when you look at it was short lived in the end, but that peak. I'm watching yeah. back through these highlights this year, you're like, what a player we had. Was- yeah, there's the interview in there with um Gerard where he's like, look, he's great fun to play with, and because there's the game where they both assist each other, isn't there? Yeah, yes, Newcastle yeah. is an absolute joke. It's you forget. I forgot like kind of what those two were doing at the time. It was just a shame that basically we did every game just go while well, you two just figure it out. Then and there's pressure on Torres coming in for that move as well because you don't really spend money. This is the first of the Hicks and Gillette era because Rafa's after we lose the Champions League final to Milan, kicking up a stink, going, "Well, look, we don't have enough players here. We need to spend some money." And we, again, we do make a thing. We spend 20 odd million on Torres. I think it's 15 on Babel, a few more again. So this is the first time, yeah, like you said, we've got a big summer. And Torres is the first name we've signed at this point. We're not signing. Yeah. Before to that, it's Dirk Coy, things like that, who are decent players, but not someone who you know, you've heard of. You go, okay, this could be exciting. What are your owner's full names now? Sorry? What are your owner's full names now? Like do you first mean name like individuals? Yeah. John Henry. What's the other one? Tom Werner. That's, yeah, there's only, when me and Keenan were doing the town last week and just had in the notes that Ben Affleck was friends with Tom Werner. So that's how they managed to film at um, the baseball stadium, Fenway. In Fenway, yeah, yeah. yeah. He just called in a favour and he was like, well, if I can come down and watch you do it, then yeah, sure. Oh, um, that's so good. That's how they got it done. I love the uh, the Boston merch they force into every shot in that yeah. as well. So good. 
apart from the Bruins, because the Bruins wouldn't let them have anything in there if uh, there was any swearing or violence. I think it's wearing a Bruins it's, jacket. It's a fake, it's a fake, it's a, a fake. fake logo. Okay, all it's right. A, they, they make it, they say they spent time making the best logo they could get away with not being an actual Bruins logo. Right, it's a fucking good one. And he said he came away livid because he said, I don't want to disrespect the guys, but do they know why people watch hockey? It is violence yeah. and swearing. <laughs> like, I think, which of these teams needs the most promotion? I'm going to go with the Bruins out of all yeah. the other Boston teams. And then Fenway Alive. Absolutely, you can find... Yeah, yeah. You want to put this violent film yeah. in our gaff? Yeah, come in. Um, Ryan Babel then. So this should be his first year. He... I mean, Nanny is probably a comparison in terms of the age. I was going to make the comparison, yeah. yeah. And he just goes on to ruin my year. <laughs> Mock Howard Webb, I wish <laughs> and then move on. <laughs> I wish we had filmed this just for your face. There, we yeah. ruined my year. We, well, that's that's the game as much as any the, that and the one where we score in ninety six minutes, and then Abue decides to foul you on ninety seven. Yes, yeah, we're some fucking mental games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. I mean, this year obviously he'd been his first one. You start getting excited because you see just flashes of what he can do. Obviously that. That game early on where we deep Derby, it's Derby, but at the same time, he does yeah. that fake shot and then just strokes it in. You're like, okay, this guy's a proper player. And he was talked about as, because we'd had that under-21s tournament where the Holland team was really good, him and Royston Drentford. Yeah. Neither obviously really go on to achieve their potential, but they were really the two standouts that were being talked about and we picked him up. And you can't really get away with managing any kind of ego or attitude in the same way that United probably can. No, no. I, I did think, particularly at this point as well, no, you don't yet actually. It's another year or so where I start getting frustrated with Rafa where he won't start him. He'll bring him on and Rafa won't make a sub before 65 minutes either, guys. as a rule. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. But he would never play like a pacey, adventurous winger. So Babel just would never get a look in. You're like, well, how's he ever supposed to grow? And he wanted to be a striker ultimately. You know, yeah. Well, he's never going to do that if you'd never play him. Yeah, we're going to talk about one of the other signings in a second. So uh, please don't be Andrew Voronin. No, no, not a Liverpool one. But I mean, Skirtle's a nice pickup here. Skirtle's a nice pickup here as well. Nice January sign, actually, isn't it? Yeah, that's for for not a huge sum of money. That's a good pickup, really. Yeah. And that's just a small sample size of some of the transfers that we do get across this year. I mean, we've already spoken about Eduardo. Dare I say, not to go uh, full Arsenal, that. Bakary Sanya might be the best pickup this year. In terms of the value, I mean, we get him for about yeah. three million pounds. He's yeah, at the okay. club for the next like five, six years before he goes to City. Okay, yes, yeah, and so he's, he's value, one of the yeah. best right backs in the league for all of that time. Probably the most consistent right back. I look back to, I mean, we said that about Tommy Asu now, but the guy can't stay fit, so we're probably still looking at Bakary Sanya. Sanya's better going forward than him as well. He was a good all-round player. Yeah, crossing was, he, was legit. Um, a dearth of good right-backs at that point, probably even still now, but dearth definitely at that point. And uh, yeah, he was definitely the most solid of the lot, I think. Yeah, I, I don't resent so much the players going to Man City now when I look back and see, like, even the Nasri one, like, we <laughs> never offered him a new deal. It's it's come out. in, in And City were 
doing what Newcastle swear they won't do now, where they were quite literally saying, we will quadruple your wages if you come and join us. Throw money at it. And as much as we joke about the project, you could see the direction the club was yeah. heading in as well. But Sanya one did hurt. They took Sanya and Clichy off us. Yeah, it, was, it did feel like bullying at one point. And I yeah. do think at the times you were a better team than them and they were taking your players. But I think players are selling out a little bit here. Yeah. There you go. Sender Haas moving forward. Stubbs to the near post. Watson under pressure. It's off the line by Woodgate. Lescott, it's in. Everton have the lead at Goodison Park. Pienaar in turn on to Arteta. Back to Pienaar. 2-0. I want us to look back now at one of three teams that we've kind of highlighted as being fun teams in this year. And I did reference this one earlier. So perhaps not the most fun on your list, but... I was about to say, I'd like to distance myself (laughs) from it. You very much contributed this one. Some of my best FIFA days were playing as this Everton side against my brother. For balance, some of my best FIFA days were playing as this Villa team. I think Carew, Ashley Young and Agbonahor was a fun little trio at that point. I mean, this Everton team, you've got the Chang sponsorship. (laughs) Yakubu comes in from Borough, scores 21 in 40 by the way, if we're uh, crediting Roque Santa Cruz, fair yeah, play for him. I put a note here, Yakubu was still good. Yeah, I watched a compilation of his goals. Something that really caught me was... Combined distance of about 10 yards. Something that for all of his kind of feed the yak, looking like, I mean, I've used Diego Costa earlier, but he's the guy I think of when I think of like a powerful bully striker in, in the league in yeah. recent times. When... He doesn't really play like that, does he? Like so many of his goals, he may have the bully, but he's not. There's, I don't think there's a goal that he's smashing through. Like they're all quite delicately like curled round. So he he's physical in terms of his um, challenging defenders, but yeah. when it comes to the other end of it, you'd expect it to look more like Adama Traore walloping it in the back of the net than. Yeah, I mean, if you want to use another Everton striker, he wasn't like a, a Duncan Ferguson who was bullying people to get their goal with a battering ram, but he did have that strength to obviously yeah. hold people off. Yeah. Funny thing was, when you first saw him at Pompey when he first arrives here, he's a little bit more of a, a pacey striker. And he obviously, whether it's just that he goes, I'm going to enjoy my food now, I've got I've got a few quid I'm going to fill out. But he obviously becomes a big boy. And, like uh, John Arnarese is on screen. <laughs> thinking of filling out, John Arnarese has uh, become a bigger boy. This see, Julian Lescott hitting double figures this season is Christ. Did he? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I love a random one where centre half does that though. Well, like Steve Bruce has a year where he hits like nearly twenty goals. <laughs> this is insane. Well, we highlighted in that derby that we referred to that he's brought down twice in the area for potential penalties. So he clearly is just throwing himself amongst it. Now you Google his name and they'll say, "Well, they had, they had a big target, quite literally to aim <laughs> to, to aim for." But he's just getting right in there. They've got Tim Cahill, Andy Johnson, who I always reference when, when we talk about like forgotten strikers, him heading it out of Pepin Reina's hands gets me every time. Arteta in there, who has a slow end to the season. He's kind of nursing an injury. Phil Neville, Leon Osman. Pina. Yeah, he wasn't actually popping off at this time that I, I hated Stephen Naismith with a passion that I can rarely describe. Into- <laughs> yeah, I, I can't blame you. Um, yeah, elsewhere in the market, yeah, they bring in Jaggy Elka from Sheffield. They bring in nice. Leighton Baines from Wigan. 
Dan Gosling for one million. There's a name. <laughs> yeah. Did they uh, sign they, they Fernandez signed, from Valencia around this point as well, I think? Not this season, as far as I could see. They bring in Stephen Pienaar on loan that's made permanent. Yeah. And they bring in Thomas Gravison on loan as well. He, so he must have left and come back at that point, hadn't he? I think he'd already been. Yeah, geez. They finished fifth. They only won two games less than Liverpool in fourth place. So the the thing was that they just didn't know how to settle for a draw. So Which they, is not how you think of a Moyes no, Everton team, no. is it? They only Man United had less draws in the top fifteen. Bloody hell. They actually held fourth place for an extended period. And I text you when I couldn't sleep last night. I was reading through Everton fan forums from two thousand and eight. That should help you. Now there's a consistent theme in they're all angling we need to get more as a new deal here because he's definitely going to leave us for someone bigger. Yep. But he gets some criticism towards the end of the season in that once they've got their foot in fourth, he moves Phil Neville from right back into midfield in the hopes that he can make it more stable. Yeah. And so Lescott gets put out wide. What weird. He just moves things around. He just effectively wants the experience of Phil Neville. He's won things before. I'm going to put him in the middle of the park. And they say when Arteta's legs weren't there in the second half, because they got European football this season as well, they go out on penalties to Fiorentina in the UEFA Cup. Right. It just slowed everything down and it kind of went away from what they were doing earlier in the season. So where the draws may have become wins at the start of the season, the draws were becoming losses later on. Um, that Baines Pinar combo down the left. Very good, yeah. Was legit. Now they don't this not season. Not a lot of money. They yeah, they have a period where they just stick it on United like yeah, every time they play them. Yeah, that four is the most I've backed Everton. That's that one, yeah, I'll tell yeah. you. Ma- mainly my thing with this team is they just didn't really know how to settle for for anything. It's very rare to look at an Everton team and say that they have any kind of ambition. Yeah, no. the odd thing is you would have normally said, I think of Moyes at Everton, you'd go probably solid, maybe unspectacular, maybe that's what Zern doing. Whereas this season, it sounds like maybe knowing how to sort of see a game off and, and win it is maybe more of the issue. Because the draws they do have, I think four of eight are nil-nils, where they've clearly gone, right, well, it's not happening today. <laughs> and yeah. just everyone has an off game. But if someone else, it's like if someone else is prepared to go for it, they're prepared to give it a go with them. The thing about Everton at this point, they're the antithesis of Everton now, where they don't have a lot of money, and Moyes is having to work out how he's going to manage it, and they're picking up really good players for not a lot of money, well, whereas they're, now they're spunking huge amounts of money on players. Yeah, they're, they're talking in, in this forum, and uh, every fan gets slightly delusional. I mean, you seem to be one of the outliers when it comes to the transfer market. But there's a guy in here, and he's like, look, we just need to give Moyes 30 million this summer, which 30 million in 2008. Good money. And they're talking about signing our Shavin. Oof, that would have been horrible ever. Could you imagine? And there's a number of these. I saw a Kalstrom linked, which if it was Kim Kalstrom, mental, <laughs> like the guy that comes to us to score a pen and nothing else. I but don't think everyone knew he had a broken back at that point. No, they're, they're willing to just spend big money on Pinar just to get him over the line and, and all sorts. They're basically saying we need a new right back if he's just going to keep moving Phil Neville away and we need someone better in the middle of the park. Now, 
this is about as good as it gets and it does go downhill from here onwards. They've got, what, fourth the year before, fifth. Let's face it, they've had a few situations like this in Boisel, haven't they, where back end of the season, they hard, it's hard for them to maintain what they've done at the start. For as good as this looks now, I saw a couple where they were saying, look, at the start of the season, I wouldn't have been happy with this finishing any lower than sixth. And that's beyond thinking now. If if we had an Everton fan next season go, I'd be disappointed if we finish seventh next season. What the hell are you on? you got to think, though, it's, at this point, the top four is an established order. And outside of that, it's a, it's a different thing. But they've Whereas come now, the year before, six. and it's kind of in where Arsenal and the management around the club and Spurs just being better run than Everton are. Everton are threatening at this stage that they're at least going to be making things competitive between you. Now, you, you yeah, go yeah. out and sign Torres, but the derbies clearly aren't a foregone conclusion by the fact that <laughs> you scrap over the line. For some, some generous help. Yeah, we look now and it's like, how many are you going to beat them by? And they're going, well, if we can lose here and ensure the City can win the league, we'll, t- we'll take it and all, all of this. That is an example of ambition being knocked out of a team <laughs> just over time. Yeah. Because at this point, yeah, as you said, there's even, genuine jeopardy in these even games. Even ones like um, Pienaar, Jagielka and these, these are sensible pickups really in the market. Signs. Like yeah. Jagielka, they paid four million for and what, he left them last two years ago? That's as good a bit of business yeah. as a club of that can ever do. They've still got Tim Howard in there at, at this stage, but... It's an American goalie was a prerequisite, all right? Yeah. We've got Marcus Hallamon at Reading. <laughs> we got We've got our new goalies, says Tim Howard was his idol. Matt Frickin Turner. Yeah. Went on to be coached by him. He had a rough debut, by the way, and then said, Look, great first game, like, hang on a minute. <laughs> a slightly weird feeling they have with Tim Howard, but they were like, Well, he's got Tourette's and that actually <laughs> makes him a better goalkeeper as well. I don't know about this, lads, I feel a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, this Everton team, as I said, fun for me, probably, probably not for you. If 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 you told me, look, I think this Spurs team was pretty fun in 2007, I'd say, hang on a minute. That Spurs team was fun. You think about it, start, they started that season with Berbatov and Keane up front, Bent as their new record signing, and Defoe. I think that's four second options. That's yeah. unbelievable. I wanted to Obviously, do Defoe has to leave. a bit more on Berber. I thought that they brought him in, but they bring him in the year before, so it's not quite... Mm. I thought they brought him in this year. No, no, no. It's watching back the compilations of Berber and Keane. I've got how good a, a duo they were. They had that great understanding. They were, they were unbelievable. You can see how Defoe didn't get a look in. I quite admire with Berbatov that even when he got his big move, he was still like, "If you think I'm running for you, you've got another thing coming." See, now the thing with him is he did try. When you watch some, because he did have some criticism of his early time at United, yeah. and he does at least make an effort. But yeah, his game is his game. I, I know what you mean. When like Rio loves telling stories, but well, I was telling him in training, "What are you doing? This is Man United," and he's not. Like, what do you want from me? Yeah. <laughs> but there's the one. I think he was a pundit on Sky Sports, and he described one of his goals, and he's like, "Well, I know Nani's going to spend three seconds doing tricks here, so why would I sprint when I can just?" move slowly in here and I'll be in the right position. He does seem like a bit of a character as well. Doesn't really, seems uh, blunt. Seems like he'll say it as it is. Yeah, if if he was in another country, you'd absolutely see him with cigars constantly. Yeah. But like, yeah. I mean, Jack Welsh had a cigarette once 
and oh. I think he's being called like a druggie for the next <laughs> like six years. Because this guy's obviously got a problem. He's obviously off the rails. When, when he retired uh, last week, I saw one of the comments and it was like, he's known to have a drink as well. So I said, what do you mean? Like, When is this a thing? And he was like, he said that when he hasn't had a team, he's had a drink. And it's like, I don't think that was the reason his legs were yeah. <laughs> being yeah. done in. Yeah, I don't think that's the one. Yeah, as I said, the... Everton and Villa were getting a lot of praise at this point, and the two managers, O'Neill and, and Moyes, are seeing as probably as the job comes up, these will be the next guys. And yeah, they were really, as a chasing pack, were very good because not easy to keep up with those four teams ahead of them. Olaf Melberg getting that big send off on the last day. Yeah, <laughs> making that a really big season. thing. I was like, was he like some club legend? That's- well, I think he scored the first ever goal, first ever competitive goal at the Emirates. I do like that there's always a random thing like that. Yeah, Why, we, we got a late we got a late equaliser. Pretty mad at the end of getting a Juventus move, isn't it? Yeah, well, well, they saw that on uh, the programme, don't they, where they say his last game before he moved to Juventus. Like, Hang on a minute. Yeah, he, goes from to <laughs> he must have been free because that, yeah. that that's the only reason they'd have picked him up. My recurring memory from him is him and Lundberg having a scrap at 2002 World Cup. <laughs> I'd literally just think of his beard. That's, that's a, <laughs> a strong beard. It strong. was, and this was before the beard was a thing. And he started the trend. He may well have like, oh, like He's at least the first one in my head. <laughs> Him and Hagrid. The, the first facial hair uh, role model you had. It's Olaf Melbo. Across comes Hagen. Utaka is still there. His shot is blocked away. Melchior's clearance to firm. Rencia driving on. Goes down. Distance challenge. Penalty. Ryan Taylor. David James saves Taylor again! Has skied the rebound. Defoe, flag stays down to seal the game here. Jermaine Defoe! Three points for Pompey. Another fun team then to take a look at is this Portsmouth team. And to be honest, one of the reasons that we did choose this year in terms of uh, doing this podcast. So at the beginning of the 2007-8 season, Portsmouth, at least from within, felt they were going to take another push forward and become one of the strong teams in the Premier League after finishing ninth the year before. I mentioned pre-season earlier. During their pre-season, they won the Barclays Asia Trophy, which Spurs fans will tell you a lot about, <laughs> over Liverpool with David James stopping Yossi Benayuna Fernando Torres on penalties. Now, nice. they go in, the squad looks as stacked as you'd ever find a Portsmouth side. They've got David James in goal, Sylvan Distan, Herman Horidison, Sol Campbell as captain, Glenn Johnson, Lauren, Jimmy Triori, Gary O'Neill at the back. The drop-off there towards the end was quite something. Yeah. But midfield options, they've got Nico Cranchar, Suleiman Tari, Papa Buba Diop, Sean Davis is a big man for them that year. Nice. Pedro Mendes, we just remember the elbow now from Ben Thatcher on him. Lasana Diara, Matty Taylor in the middle. And then up top, when you mentioned uh, the options for Spurs before, I'm not saying these are quite the same, but for Portsmouth to have John Yutaka, Nwanko Kanu, Benjani, David Nugent, Milan Barosh and Jermaine Defoe up top. Yeah. Can't work out when the club went bust. <laughs> yeah, Jermaine Defoe joins in January, but gets 8-12 in the league. So I remember at the time, when they were going, well... We're going to have to move Benjani on if we're going to bring Defoe in. And I couldn't quite believe, like, this is being treated like a no-brainer. That's a bit of a weird... Like, Benjani's playing really well at this point or whatever. And then when you look back, you're like, 
Of course it's a fucking no-brainer. Yeah. <laughs> Bajardi's shown... Basically, this this is his only season where he really shows us much. Defoe's obviously like a proven product already. Yeah. Get that cash bad. for him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Ben Jardy bags 12 across the year, to be fair. I mean, he has as funny. I think it's 12. I think it may even it's 12 for Portsmouth before he goes to City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at the start of the season, Portsmouth start off very well. They, uh, they draw against United and Liverpool at Fratton Park. They win a 7-4 game over Reading, which we'll speak about in a little bit. As 2007 ends, Portsmouth have started to win most of their away games in the in the Premier League. Like, they're doing things both home and away. They found themselves as one of the top teams in terms of form, if we quote the dreaded form table as we get into the latter stages of 2008. They knock United at the FA Cup in the quarters, and then they win it against Cardiff in maybe the least excited I've been for a FA Cup final at that point. I quite liked the novelty of these two teams there, but I know what you mean. It was, yeah. Uh, it was just that we were used to it being like Chelsea United, Chelsea. We'd probably been done a favour by that Chelsea United final the year before. Yeah. Where you yeah. go, well, yeah. look, it can't be that. So, um, Yeah. A, a season later, they start horribly in both the league and UEFA Cup. Harry abandons ship for Spurs and they appoint Tony Adams as the new manager. Oh, so God. I hope they enjoyed this year nice. while they did have it. People always say, look, like the Wigan, they say we're Wigan. Look, would they trade in that FA Cup? You say no. Very few teams get the chance to get these. And so you take those double relegations. <laughs> I said to you, my mate's a Spur- uh, Pompey fan said even only a couple of years after it he'd trade in the FA Cup just to be in the prep just to be sat said I'll take mid-table mediocrity I'll take it. I think they were languishing in League 2 at this point and he was like look yeah. come on so it's certainly I guess it's just a lot easier in access we maybe take for granted like I'm complaining if, if we have to find a stream for a 3 o'clock game yeah yeah like, that's true particularly if you don't live local yeah then it must be an absolute nightmare um, By the way, I had to check this because I was pretty sure of it from memory. Milan Barros doesn't score a goal for Pompey. <laughs> I mean, what dross did we have at the club at one point? Just the name brand here at, at Portsmouth. And I think maybe my favourite thing with all this is they have those attacking options and they go, you know what could make this better? Peter Crouch. And you just get Crouchy in a year later. For what? Six, uh, not even six months with Harry yeah because then obviously he's yeah. they're both off to Spurs not long after does do him a favour and brings him with him though <laughs> so. yeah yeah it does him a solid but just great fun Looking yeah this for is a like, fun team Sully Montari just being in the middle of that just feels like I tell you what watching the uh, back, realised just how like money he was he was unbelievably good yeah, I mean, just the the drive they have in the middle, but obviously the guys up top at certain stages when you could maybe have Carnu, Utaka, Barosh. One of the best things about this, to, again, a little bit like City, where it seemed like one of these players would rotate, they'd do something mad. Like Utaka would just have a worldy one week <laughs> and be quiet the next, but then Benjani would have a, a weird, weirdly good game. It was the, a great time. The discussions for some of these is like, do we sign him? And then it's like, well, we know they can score goals. Get him in then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I mean, Harry was operating a I'm not asking any questions policy and going, if I can sign him, I'm getting my hands on him. Just watching some 2004 clips of Barosh going, what a player he is. <laughs> what a player. Get him in. Just watching that Euros and be like, well, look, if he can do that again. We're Portsmouth. We can't be turning our nose at him. Well, him this in. is it. Maybe he was probably more that level of player in truth, but he probably should have scored a goal. At least that would have helped them. Um, I mean, I don't want to be too cynical. Perhaps if you are Harry there and you don't see yourself being there for the next 10 years and it's something that gets criticised for Jose, it's something that gets pointed at Conte and a lot of managers in in, uh, today's game when they say, I don't really care what it is for the next guy as long as it's good in this 18 months I'm here. And so I can't imagine there were too many discussions from Harry and the people around him at least like, but in three years' time, Kanu's going to be 40. I Why mean, are we giving him this deal? And they go, well, he can score. Let's see what he did at Arsenal. How old was he at this point is the fantastic question. The Got to uh, be late 30s, surely. Huh? Got to be late 30s, surely. I mean, there was a, quite a lot of speculation as to what his actual age was, not there? But there you go. The uh, He gets the goal in the FA Cup final, so... Exactly, yeah. Even have to wheel him out. It, the thing is, this is as good times as it's ever going to get if you're a Pompey fan because they're regularly in and around sort of six to eight sort of spot. They've got European football off the back of it. It's These are the good times, so I hope they enjoyed them. Yeah, I mean, we get the highest scoring game in Premier League history. That's right for you. They only doubt in front of us at this point. Yeah, they get two of them, one against uh, Spurs. But the 7-4 with Portsmouth, it also has the record for the most different scorers in a Premier League game with nine different scorers. Nice. Tied with the Arsenal 5, Tottenham 4 at White Hart Lane uh, to secure the Invincibles title, actually. Um, you've got a Benjani hat-trick. Herman, Herman Herideson scores. Nico Cranchar scores. Inga Marsen scores. Sulimantari gets a penalty. Stephen Hunt scores, Dave Kitson scores, Shane Long scores, and Sol Campbell, seeing everyone else get in the action, puts it in his own net just to get on the score sheet. <laughs> I'll have a bit of that. And Montari scoring the seventh goal, by the way, looks as unimpressed as you could yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. Very they, casual. They had this clip with, uh, who would have been the Reading keeper at the time? Don't that worry was, that Hanneman. Well, yeah. Hanneman, wasn't it? So there's a clip with him and David James, and they're like, fist bumping after the game like hang on a minute lads you've just conceded 11 between you <laughs> so we had a we had a night off didn't we, don't <laughs> yeah this this Portsmouth team put it in a bottle good times yeah yeah fantastic just getting some old vets together getting the band together fantastic the owner's just been watching Masters football like it would be great if they actually did this on a proper pitch <laughs> if we had a really mundane the expendables yeah <laughs> Richards Petro Here's Ilana Finding himself in space for the first time in the game Giovanni Brilliant strike That really is a bolt out of the light blue All United and yet 1-0 City Giovanni's second goal for the club the last in our uh, fun team series here then is uh, Man City. Now, you've got Sven in charge here, Richard Dunn as captain, Lecoq Sportif making the shirts, 
Thomas Cook has a sponsorship. We should have known this City team was just there for the thrill of it. They've got new owner uh, Faxin Shinawatra. He's come in, he's wanting to spend a bit of cash, hoping to do better than the lower mid-table positions that they'd finished in the last few seasons. Now, <laughs> he gets this deal through despite accusations of corruption against him in Thailand. The board decided he's put the most money on the table, so we'll let this one through. Although the deal did stall slightly due to him having his assets frozen yeah. midway. <laughs> and he then does later do a prison sentence. Yeah. So. A deal finally goes through on the 21st of June 2007, 81.6 million. They get rid of Distan, Barton, Nicky Weaver, Trevor Sinclair, and Ishmael Miller, which was a name from yeah. the past there. They bring in Rolando Bianchi, Gelson Fernandez, Martin Petrov, Vedran Korluka, Ilano, Javier Garrido, Valerie Bojinov, and then Caicedo and Benjani in January. Sven says he basically gets a call from some number he's never seen before, and they're effectively saying, do you want to be the, the new manager of Man City? <laughs> oh, he's like, oh yeah, yeah, why not? <laughs> Feels perfectly on brand for that owner and for yeah. Sven, that. Um, already in the squad, you've got the likes of Mika Richards, Nella Manua, Michael Johnson, who was meant to be... Who had a yeah. really good season this year, yeah. Uh, Stephen Ireland, who really balls out the next year. Uh, Darius Vassell, Sunji High. Hmm. Giorgio Samaras is still there at this stage. He gets two appearances. What a terrible striker. Uh, Richard Dunn, as I said. Dietmar Hamann, I think, plays more games than anyone in this team. Joe Hart, who starts the season rotating games with a young Kasper Schmeichel for Sven. And Isaksen, the uh, Sweden keeper as well. Picks out Joe Hart as his guy. Uh, Schmeichel makes seven appearances, I think, through the season. It's like 24 for um, Joe Hart. Now, Giovanni has a trial at Portsmouth at the start of the season. They reject him. And so he tries again at City. And they make what you could say is a mistake here in that they only feel confident enough to give him a one-year deal. Yeah. So he scores that goal against United. I think he scores two or three for the season and then goes on a free to Hull a year later when they couldn't convince him to stay. Well, if if you won't pin your players down, you will lose them to Hull. (laughs) We all know that. One month into the season, Sven's wraps up manager of the month with wins against West Ham, Derby and United before losing to Arsenal. Mika Richards is the... First on the scene. Yeah, he's, he's player of the month and so things are off to a flyer and... Sven says it starts brilliantly and things start to tail off just after Christmas where they're sat about ninth. And he said, they're around, I think they're sat in 10th place, I think. It's around 10th place come the start of May. And he gets a call for a meeting and he says to Todd, look, they wanted us to get mid-table. We're in mid-table this is just a formality. <laughs> he comes out and he says, I don't know what got into the ownership. <laughs> he said, like, I left I left the meeting and the impression I had was, he said, I, t- I told Tor we best start looking for more work <laughs> because we're going to lose our job. So get the accordion out. We're back on that but again. The owner in, I guess, what probably sums up his time there, keeps him there until the middle of their pre-season. 
He takes him to Thailand. They get battered by some Thai all-star team. Oh, God. And then he says, I've had enough. Get Mark Hughes in. But Sven still says, I don't think I should have been sacked. I was doing an all right job. Yeah, yeah. The the play the players seem to get on with him. He's got a good young bunch there with Mika Richards. Neda Manoa was spoken about as like yeah yeah they were seen the as the two guys. Michael Johnson and Stephen Ireland. Yeah, and then just <laughs> this wealth of experience and uh, flair they bring in. They bring in Sven with only three weeks left of preseason. Yeah. And so you get a classic, like, I think you get a quadruple announcement here. I'm sure Sven as well acknowledges that he hasn't watched some of these players play. They sign it, you're like, Sven, why are you opening yeah. your mouth? Why are you saying this? And every, But that was the thing with them. Was, we say about fun teams, this was a definition of fun team because there were some good players who were going to give you these moments, like Alano and Giovanni and Petrov actually could score a screamer in them. But we're never going to be consistently good. And you never have to worry about this team winning anything because you're like, well, they're going to give you some games, but the rest of the season, they're going to clock off. The Bianchi one was incredible because there was this whole thing from the jump. He was just saying how much he hates the country. He's like, <laughs> the weather shit, the food shit. I don't like it here. And the press were just lo- loving it. Like going, yeah, it's great, isn't it? What a character. <laughs> He's saying he doesn't want to be it. <laughs> and obviously eventually, I think he only has, I think he only does a year and then they go. But they also... Right up until the point that they're taken over properly, City and their fans still kind of convey this, well, we were following them and we were in League Two, so anything is a bonus at this stage. And yeah. so there's never any pressure put on for anything that they do because, they, well, it could be worse. We could be out yeah. of the Premier League. Could be back there again. And so I can't imagine there's too much despair. More so when it looks like they could have maybe come a bit higher up, but... I guess you can't lose eight one is an issue. <laughs> yeah, that looks like that's a bad look, isn't it? Um, it gave gave Borough false hope, and it probably told City where we're at. And they've had the meeting with Sven at this stage, so he this he blames going that. Going into that game, they knew he was gone. Yeah, which doesn't really help. No, and he blames that. He says that wouldn't have happened on my watch, but why would they have to listen to me when they kind of have the impression that? The problem is with Sven, he probably went into the dressing room and said, well, look, lads, I'm off, so you don't have to listen to me if you don't want to. I quite like that. I quite like that they say, we've had our fun now. <laughs> Time to get serious. Sven was a holiday romance. Well, look, come on, you never thought it was going to last, did you? You didn't think we were actually going to get together. I also like the idea that they see that first month and it's like, this is how it's always got to be now. Like, yeah. Like someone that's slacks at work and then they put a bit of effort in and the boss is like, well, it's how it always has to be. You show me you can do that now. And the owner's just is holding that against Sven. You beat United. Why can't you beat everyone else? The other issue is because of obviously the spending City have now done, we probably do overlook that the owners are probably thinking, well, hang on, we've come in here and spent good money. We want to see some result. Whereas little did we know that would pale in comparison. Yes, what? We've only got like another year and then... They yeah. basically have to sell the, the club. Yeah, I think they sell to Abu Dhabi literally the following January. Yeah. And then they get Rubinia in and all that. So. All's well that ends well. They get their fun and then this is you can have your cake and eat it. Yeah, several times over. I'm, I'm really happy for it. <laughs> well, Paul, the season's over. Is it good riddance to that campaign? 
Yeah, it's been a horrific time, isn't it, as far as the football club's been concerned, uh, football team's been concerned. Um, you'd ask them to try and show a bit of dignity on the last day of the season, but same old problems. Team's not good enough. Um, majority of them, if I've made away, won't play for Derby again um, because that's just not acceptable. And I think supporters have said they're not fit to wear a shirt, and the large majority of them, do you know what? Are not. Um, the sooner we can get players who've got a bit of passion, a bit of pride, and a bit of desire, and a bit of bit of balls, if you like, the sooner we can move up and, and start looking to, to improve the team. Outside of probably Ronaldo's seat, well, probably more than so, the Eduardo leg break, I think, is memorable for everyone. And alongside that, Derby just having the most pathetic season in Premier League history is one of the most notorious things of this campaign. Now, when it comes to picking the best season ever for a Premier League club, there is obviously room for debate. I'll point to the Invincibles. City will point to the record points in 2018, record points, wins and goals. United will point to a treble winning team in 99. Picking the worst season of all time is far easier. Very easy. Derby never came close to fending off relegation. They're the first club ever to be relegated by March. The records they have, fewest points, fewest wins, one. Most consecutive matches without a win with 32. Fewest goals scored with 20. Most goals conceded in a 38-match season with 89 Worst goal difference ever with minus 69. (laughs) Derby finished 25 points away from safety. It was so close. The lone win, as I said, came at Newcastle. Three players, Ronaldo, Torres and Adebayor, who scored two hat-tricks each against Derby, (laughs) each scored more than the entire Derby squad. Tough break. Are we ever going to see a season like this again? Yeah, I I don't see how we can. That was just so bad. When you consider, like, say for the last year, we basically all wrote Norwich off very early. Yeah. But they're obviously not coming anywhere near to being that bad. No, there's the interview with um, Paul Jewell um, once he relegated. And he says, I mean, obviously it's not nice to hear, but it has been coming for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to know the best thing about that game where they get relegated. Ben, like I said, earliest relegation ever. Emmanuel Villa, a striker they signed in January. That that game, they get they, they get relegated in it by a draw to Fulham. He gets the late equaliser and jumps in the crowd. <laughs> They're literally being relegated that game and he's jumped in the crowd. I mean, what the fans Lord, doing? They shoving him back out? Give us all that confidence and that level of happiness that you can do that. Or is it one of them where it's like, I mean, we haven't had much to celebrate. <laughs> did he think I was sparing us for another week? I don't, I don't know what he thought was happening, but I was absolutely <laughs> flawed when I watched that. One of the best things with this as well is, and Billy Davis said, well, the thing was, because he'd obviously gone in, I think they'd been fighting relegation in the championship. He keeps them up. And then the following year, they go up in the playoffs. And he said, yeah, see, this is the thing. We're about probably 12 months ahead of schedule. Thinking, 12 months? <laughs> I'm going to say about three or four years. That's for the Champions League. <laughs> Just, uh, no, this, because the thing was as well, you think the points total record before this was um, Sunderland. I think they got 15. And this, that was seen as, oh, that's bad. No, no <laughs> one's beating that. I remember they had, 
they got Howard Wilkinson in as manager, who was a relic 10 years before when he was the manager of Leeds. So I don't know why they thought he was the solution. But, so they bring him in and they got 50 and everyone's old. No one's ever beaten that. Derby obviously beat that by four points. And you're like, <laughs> no one's ever getting lower than 11 points. Well, yeah, because... It's not happening. Because you asked yesterday which we're more likely to see, a team to finish on less points than Derby or a team to do another invincible season. Mm. We've come close to invincible season since. Just nobody can quite get it over the line. Chelsea lost one game, I think, in 2004-2005. It's how close is close, isn't it? Arsenal fans at this point celebrate when Liverpool and City oh, no, lose do. their first game <laughs> of the season because it I was... I'm thinking, why are they so happy as are? Because the, the one that. season was scary. Sorry? Where it wasn't it, the one season where it wasn't going to be a whole yeah. season, but like I didn't even bother watching you against Watford because it was like, what is the points? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I wouldn't turn it on, so I thought I might jinx it. The wild thing about that season was well, we had so many games where we were just nicking it. And I was saying to people, like, this is a bit misleading, but obviously on the results, you probably go, yeah, yeah. you would say that, mate. But uh, yeah, this is spectacularly bad for Derby. When you're going like, if Kenny Miller can be your saviour, you know, four, maybe we've got a bit of a problem here. Robbie Savage, like, you lads aren't saving us at all. Yeah, when we when we look at Wigan buying out Steve Bruce, buying out Paul Jewell probably hasn't aged as well. Through ball, Ashton's found some space here. He's got to Sears! And again! High drama at Upton Park! A tiny striker with a giant of a goal! On debut, Freddie Sears. Just finally then, you referenced it at the start, I see a lot on Twitter of uh, the streets won't forget and it's just a Ben Arthur compilation every single time with occasionally West Ham fans doing it for Pyatt. Now, a Delta Rapt actually probably is in that mix as well. Oh, for sure. We may be twisting that slightly here, <laughs> but essentially... These are players that you can pinpoint from this season as being memorable. Ones who you resonate with, all of these kind of things. Essentially, it's just a reason to be able to reference some of these that haven't come up already. Freddie Sears gets his first yes. only goal, must be. And he does everything here. He does some kind of roll on the floor. He does the Shearer celebration. He does the West Ham crossing his arms <laughs> over in like every direction. He doesn't know what he's doing. From memory, they got Shearer to talk them through and judge his celebration wow. on match of the day at the time. It's one of those goals. It's kind of like Makeda, isn't it? Where they, we have no reason to remember these goals, all these players in the way that we do, but their name is just like ingrained in your head. Yeah. This, if you do like a one-off thing like that, it does kind of help you stay stick, stick around rather than just being a run-of-the-mill yeah. sort of steady play the other thing West, obviously any youngster at West Ham does something you think could he be the next guy off yeah. the conveyor belt obviously it wasn't to be with him well no West Ham do have another player worth referencing and he's, he's brought up a lot and West Ham fans always give you a kind of ooh when you reference and that's Dean Ashton yeah who scores 11 goals this he plays 34 games this season Blimey. which is a lot for him and maybe the goal tally should tell you more then but fun player I can't think who the game's against, but he scores one of those kind of sideways overhead kicks, which is the goal that's kind of referenced for him. But it kind of helps your stock when you're blighted by injuries. Yeah, you have that sort of uh, 
like the uh, musician who dies young sort of yeah. thing. If we, but he was he was really good. You think the big man up top, but had really good feet as well, good touch, good finish. So probably could have been a good asset for definitely for them. I, I think he would have done all right for England as well because it probably was a good option for us. But those injuries are a killer. Could he have kept Heskey getting that recall? Oh, Fabio Capella loved Heskey, so they just, <laughs> he was never going to do that. I mean, we, we've mentioned Giovanni at Man City already and Galas already, mainly for that moment. Dave Kitson gave another ginger player for play, for playground references, him and Steve Sidwell in this Reading team. Yeah. Yeah, Reading doing their bit. To be honest, Dave Kitson not helping the uh, ginger brand now. Uh, what? I, I think I've said to you before, on the playground, is it deemed as, like, do you take much from it if you're called Sidwell, Kitson or Skulls? Like, do you read into that? Is it... I think if I'd been relegated to Kitson, I probably might have felt a bit insulted, yeah. Like, if you start and someone's saying Skullsy and then 10 minutes later they go, Kitson, Kitson. A diabolical first touch. <laughs> okay, he's Kitson, actually. Like, yeah, if they I don't wish... make a meal of it, like it just changes like organically. Just subtly, till I get rattled about being called Dave Kitts. The, the thing was, I wish there was enough subtlety or complexity to the people's minds who were giving <laughs> the Scorsese shout that they could create a tier system, but there just wasn't. Well, no, because I remember being in sick form and there would still be people that would think saying Scorsese would be like an original shout. <laughs> I think that's probably the, the bigger thing is the... The slight look of amazement that everyone isn't falling about laughing that they've said it is probably the worst bit. The Kitson, I mean, is it better to be recognised as a token ginger guy than the guy who's on the side who scores a couple in numerous pastings through the season? Yeah, it's true. Just score. Who's that really good goal against? Where he's basically on the left wing. That's the one. Pings it in. I think that's against Spurs. Yeah. And, or it may even be in the Portsmouth game where it goes around the keeper and then he hits it from a wide angle. <laughs> but ends up going the long way around the keeper because yeah. he's right on the wing. Yeah. yeah, nice finish. But yeah, him allegedly being the secret footballer has ruined his legacy somewhat. <laughs> so I haven't forgotten like, you getting him a Sidwell model. Well, I was about to say was that. <laughs> I was about to say that. Blatant. <laughs> uh, Gingerism. Yeah. Um, I saw um, I can't remember if I posted this in our group. A girl was posting, uh, about Love Island about Ronnie Keaton's lad, and she was black, and she was saying, "I didn't realise the struggle ginger people had had. I'm an ally now." Did this whole thread on this? I was like, "I'll be honest, though, just because some ginger guy in Love Island got pied, I don't think that's that big a struggle. I think it's okay." Um, how I many some of the other ones I have? We've spoken about Nanny. You referenced Giuliano Belletti. He's just everywhere in this Chelsea side. Only deals in world is pinging I mean, goals. And he plays about 35 games this season. And Champions League winners against Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a useful pickup for them, wasn't he? Yeah, very much so, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I quite liked that uh, away kit they had. The high-vis sort of one. I thought Their was kits next kit. season are awful, Chelsea. The home one's grim, uh, that uh, I don't. Uh, what, yeah, why is that still a thing? Why are brands still doing the one button? Like, I don't understand it. Weird. Who's ever said it's a good look? I think that's United's best shirt this year's one. I, I like quite them. like it with two buttons and a collar. I'm yeah. in the I'm in the minority there, yeah. I know. I meant I meant the 0708 oh. United shirt. Oh, I, yeah. I they, thought that was their best one yeah, for they a while. Are, the, the black one that season is very nice with the red trim mm. down the back. Um, Thomas Rizicki had down, as that kind of guy who you are just going to kind of read off the... Uh, 
highlight reel, if you're not an Arsenal fan, Wenger calling him Little Mozart is uh, one that I always think with him. I think he did the, if you don't like enjoying watching Thomas Rizicki, then you don't enjoy football. <laughs> yeah, he was a player. You referenced John Carew, 13 and 33 this season. Yeah, it, it's hard to remember now because it's been established that Ogbonna Hall's a bastard and Young is a little bit as well in, just, in a different way. Yeah. But they were seen as the guys and obviously either side of John Carew. That was, yeah, yeah on FIFA, great fun because you had a big man and two rapid players. Yeah. It was perfect. I referenced Bentner being more than just a joke player earlier and I'll actually put a Bouet in that bracket as well because he wasn't as bad. I mean, you don't play the amount of games he played for Arsenal being as bad as he's perceived to be. He was more of a joke figure than he was a serious footballer. But it got worse. As it went on. Around this time, he's playing not as a right back, but as a right midfielder. And he's kind of... I think in, sometimes playing like left midfield as well. He's just moving away with it. He's guy. kind of in the Adama Traore, I'm just going to put you on there to create some kind of ruckus in everything that you do because he was lightning fast. I think, mate, I think his best year was your run to the Champions League where he's playing at right back. I thought he was good then. I think it's dropped for the final. Because you brought in uh, Sanya and I was like, well, you've got a good right back. What's the issue? And obviously, that's a, as bad a take as you'll get because Sanya was great and Abue was Abue plays in the famous win over Barca, the Arshavin game. He's playing at right back mm. against uh, Messi. We've got... Uh, I mean, Kevin Prince-Boateng makes 21 appearances for Spurs this season. Bloody hell. I was going to the bench squad, coming yeah, there. Yeah, there's 11 off the bench. Yeah. But I couldn't believe it. I'm, Empty calories, I'm calling <laughs> that. Kenwin Jones at Sunderland. That, again, fun player. Really good fun. Constantly linked with Spurs again. Seven Didn't goals that season. Wasn't prolific as no. Kenwin is <laughs> the issue. More prolific than Ricardo Fuller when they were at Stoke at the same time, but not offering much more than that. Did he have a worldie like Ricardo Fuller in the <laughs> uh, Who else do I note down? Oh, for me, Martins, we've referenced. <laughs> we've got the end of Stelios here. <sighs> Bloody hell, yeah. He gets two goals all season. <laughs> Sammy Lee, he needed a bit more help. <gasps> oh, no. And then David Bentley, I mean, at the time, probably in this mix as well, but any other players you chuck in that really kind of highlight the time for you? No, we referenced earlier Matt Derbyshire. I uh, thought that was a, a little time casual. Um, against Sibierski, had that run where he was just like a, basically a bloke who could head a ball. And so he would get the occasional goal off that, could cause some, some problems. Uh yeah, I think, I think we've referenced You mentioned Cleb. This is Cleb's year, really. Yeah, he looks looks the dogs. And I think I spoke on a previous podcast. It's not an original take by me, but in today's game, him as an eight is probably where he'd be in the kind... If you were playing like City's system or the system that we're trying to do where you have a freak like a Rodri or a Party or a Rice where you can just play a lone six and just have the two progressive guys in front of them. Yeah, his issue was he didn't shoot, so it would have been perfect. Loved the extra pass, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Fun guy, but it's nice that we can talk for two plus hours about things that mean more to us than United winning the league, and I think that's the main takeaway. <laughs> it's, it's the same as almost every Premier League year to this point, where you go, "I've had a really fun three quarters of this show, and now I've got to watch them lift another trophy." This hurts. 
I always see they do like Prem Classics on Sky or the classic games on BT. Whenever it's Arsenal, like, what game is it? And it's just us getting battered by someone. Or it's like, look at this time Wigan came back from 2-0 down against Arsenal. Look at this time Newcastle came from 4 down. It's, I'm just never going to watch any of them. No, this uh, this sort of period was a nice little... Uh, enough times elapsed you can have some nostalgia attached to it. Enough that you remember some bits and then you've forgotten others. So it was a good period. Also, the, we always look back on times and think certain times were better. There's probably an argument around this time is peak Premier League sort of time. The commentary is certainly better. Like I don't yeah. see much. Like We're still talking about the Aguero moment and that's obviously that. But in terms of just general play, like I mentioned the uh, North London derby and there's all sorts like in Chelsea, Birmingham and you've got a pretty good commentary going on yeah. with whether yeah. it's Andy Gray or not. Just makes you want to Gray, play for 08. Gray and Keys are so prominent in this. It's like, so problematic, but hey, look, they're both, they were good at their job. Yeah. Total pigs are good at their job. If they could do a remaster of FIFA 08 and we could just play with all of these squads, mm. that'd be great. Yeah, agreed. But there we go. I think that just about does us. So thank you again for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. We'll have something on next week not entirely sure what we'll be doing maybe something similar probably another what if or something like that this friday we'll have movie madness we've got harry brown versus the next three days so tune in for that we'll be back goodbye